and dudettes, and welcome to episode three of the Turtle Flakes podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob, uh, what's my name, Rob Ayel? Rob Ayel. <laughs> and I am joined by uh, my good friend and my co-host and my partner in Ninja Turtle Crime, Josh Atello. How are you, Josh? Doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic, man. It's been a little while. We've had a little bit of a setback, but uh, we've got a nice, lengthy show for you today. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Today is September 5th, 2013, and on this very day, back in 2009, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles in Time reshelled game was released on the PlayStation Network. Uh, did you ever play this one, Josh? You know, I have the demo for it, and I'm actually kind of jealous. They took it off the market because uh, I think Ubisoft lost the rights to have it on the store, so I played it a little bit. I thought it was cool I played the demo, but... I didn't get to play the full version, and you can no longer purchase it. Yeah, yeah. I think they took it off the, uh, the Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network. It says here in June of 2011. So it was only on there for you know a little over a year, it seems. And uh, like, is it an HD remake or? Yeah, it's it's like an HD remake of uh, of the arcade game. Yeah, it held up pretty well. I, I was pretty satisfied with it. Ah, nice, nice. See, I, I hadn't played uh, you know besides the one for the Super Nintendo and then the Hyperstone Heist which was basically almost the same exact game uh, on the Sega Genesis, but I never played the, um, the remake of it, so uh, it's a shame I missed out on this one, and it seems like it's hard to get. I, I did play the uh, the arcade port of Turtles in Time on, uh, on MAME, and that's actually pretty good. It's it's interesting. They, uh, the graphics are a little bit better, the sound is a little bit better, and there's some voice clips in there, so uh, Ooh, it's, nice. it's kind of cool to check out, yeah. Nice. I, I know they did a, an arcade-style one for the original. The Is it the 89? Yeah, the 89 Konami game, yeah. Yeah, and it, I remember it being kind of strange because, of course, it played just like the original and everything. It was a, it was a great game, and you could kind of uh, play co-op with uh, people online through Xbox and everything. But it's weird because the outline of it was, it wasn't like the classic style of the Turtles. The outline of the screen and everything was the 2007 Turtles. Which oh, was, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like they, they threw both of those in there. But yeah, it was still a good game nonetheless. Yeah, the arcade port's not available either anymore. Both of them got removed. Although I think if that hadn't happened, we might not have the series that we have today. I think it had to do with the Viacom purchase of the rights for the Turtles. Okay, that does make sense. some shout outs to give today uh, first guy that we want to mention again is Mark Pellegrini uh, from the TMNT Entity uh, which I think it's tmntentity.blogspot.com uh, he writes reviews on the IDW comics the Mirage comics image comics I think he writes reviews on the cartoon series as well so go check him out he's a great writer uh, always has some pretty interesting and informative things to say and another thing about him that I really like is that you know, after each review, he gives like turtle tips, which is almost like trivia at the end. They're always pretty interesting to read, so go check him out. Mark's a good guy. And next we have uh, What the Shell Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're good guys over there. Uh, very informative, and I think they were the very first uh, Ninja Turtles podcast, so, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta give those guys a shout-out for sure. Uh, another one is uh, Radically Retro Turtle Toy Talk, which is a mouthful to say, but an awesome YouTube channel. <laughs> they have... Uh, <laughs> 
they have some good uh, retro uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle um, action figure reviews. Uh, I've gotten to talk to Sween a few times. You know, so we've exchanged emails and stuff. Uh, gave us a lot of sources for our turtle toy research. He's just a good guy, and I think he also is a co-host on the What the Shell podcast. So check out Radically Retro Turtle Toy Talk on YouTube uh, by Sween Halleck. The Technodrome forums, it looks like they've got just about every category you can think of of uh, discussions for the Ninja Turtles. So if you want to talk turtles, uh, thetechnodrome.com is the place to go. Gosh, that is an awesome URL. That is. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. <laughs> me too, me too. Um, yeah, I was, I was actually checking it out the other day, uh, and I was looking at the 2003 cartoon forum that they had, and there were so many people, so many uh, fans that thought it was, you know, bar none, an incredibly underrated series. Uh, TV series, and um, you know, it's it's nice to see that the 2003 show is getting some love. But yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. was really impressed with it as well. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to watch more episodes of that, man. I, I'm gonna send an email to Krang at thetechnodrone.com and see if anyone responds. <laughs> Somebody's got to respond. I'm just wondering if it's gonna be the brain, or is it gonna be, you know, is it gonna actually talk to you, or is it gonna just scream at you like the 2012 Krang does? We'll find out. Yeah. I, I want to hear the Krang laugh though. If, if it. <laughs> Or it could be uh, Roseanne uh, Barr. You know, oh, she, it could be. Yeah, she's crying prime, so it could be her. <laughs> All right, so Josh, have you had any turtle pickups lately? Did you find anything good? I certainly have. Well, I've got uh, my Ninja Turtles hat. I don't remember if I mentioned that on my last one, but uh, I've got a picture of it up on our Facebook page now. Oh, so, nice. So uh, my Ninja Turtles shirt, my Ninja Turtles hat, I'm wearing right now, geared up for the podcast. <laughs> boy, I'm proud. <laughs> I also picked up the uh, TMNT Out of the Shadows for the Xbox. It's only 15 bucks, and I've got to say, it's well worth the money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how is it? Like, what's the story in that game? I haven't played a whole lot of it yet, but these, there's a couple different game modes. There's a, a section with uh, Donnie's custom arcade cabinet, which <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. I built my own, actually, and I thought it was really cool that they had one for Donatello, because it's definitely something I could see him doing. Yeah, when you go to that, it, it's reminiscent of, like, Turtles in Time. It's more of a sort of an isometric 2.5D side-scrolling fighter, and you could do co-op multiplayer on that, so that's really cool. And it's it's like a HD kind of graphics, sort of like the Turtles in Time remake, but I was really impressed with just the effort that went into all the graphics of the main storyline, and I guess the graphics overall of the whole game. The single-player game starts off as April O'Neil, and you're in a warehouse, and you're trying to escape, and then you end up escaping, uh, and then you get to play as the Turtles. I like the sound. There's some pretty good music in it, and uh, I think it's really cool. You could switch between the turtles while you're fighting, so you could anyone that you want to be, you know, you could just hot swap in and out with different turtles. Uh, you can use commands to have them follow you or to stay behind if you go in for a stealth takedown, which is really cool. You would get to unlock new moves, which it kind of adds some replayability, so it's not just a, a standard button mashing beat em up. As you go through the story, you earn skill points and you get to spend them. So it's got sort of some RPG elements to vary things up. Like I said, I mean, for 15 bucks, you can't beat it. $15, that were they, they probably easily could have charged 60 bucks, you know, for like a standard game. That that's really it sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, I mean, I was when I just I saw the artwork going into it, I was like, oh wow, I'm surprised. You know, you kind of have lower expectations for a $15 game, but it looks like they really put a lot of effort into it. So uh, it's definitely some something to check out. Yeah, yeah, I, I did see the graphics and everything. Um, uh, you know, obviously I haven't picked it up yet, but it kind of it reminds me of the 2007 like CGI um, uh, movie. But it also kind of reminds me of like the Image Comics, you know, how they're huge and super beefy and everything. <laughs> so Yeah, they of course have uh, on the main menu the iconic shot of them from uh, issue number one 
uh, from the Mirage series, which was uh, a really nice throwback. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Well, so uh, you talked me into it, man. I'm going to have to pick it up. You and I can do some co-op. Awesome, yeah. We'll, we'll beat up some foot soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, hey, maybe I got we'll... dibs on Donatello. No, I called him. No way. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. Since since you're Joshitello, I'll be I'll be Raph. I'll be Rabio. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, I got to say, though, it's like the graphics being really cool. Uh -huh. so you, get, you get different moves that power up, so it's based upon combos so if you get enough hits in a row you build up like your combo bar and then you can unleash a turtle power attack oh nice and actually uh, michelangelo's look really cool because you know the nunchucks are flying around and it's got like <laughs> an orange almost like a, a laser trace type of uh light effect on it it's really awesome oh nice kind of reminds me of like a uh, marvel versus capcom where they have that kind of the energy bar that goes up you know the more hits you land and everything and then you finally yeah. can use that that special um yeah any, anything else my man uh, yeah, actually, I picked up uh, number two of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles new animated adventures. Oh, uh, nice. So, yeah, the new comic book series. We went to visit family back in Ohio, so I went to a comic book shop that I had not been to before. I guess at that particular store, and again, I'm sort of a comic book novice still. When I asked if he had it, he was like, well, uh, yeah, I've got it. Do you, uh, do you want the variant cover or do you want the regular one? He said normally he won't sell the variant cover unless... You know, you buy the regular and the variant. He kind of holds it for people who collect that want both. Oh, wow. And no one, no one had picked it up yet, so he let me get both. So I was able to pick up both the uh, the variant cover and the standard cover, and they're both really awesome. And uh, actually, when I picked up the number one issue, I picked up the variant cover at my local comic book shop. So I'm going to have to go back and get the standard, so I'll have the standard and variant of both one and two. <laughs> man, look at you, man. You're starting yeah. to become the collector now. I know. It's... <laughs> It's getting dangerous. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. <laughs> I also picked up the Karai Ninja Turtles uh, Villain Micro Series, Ooh. Uh, number five. I also picked up the number 25 of the IDW series, of which we'll be reviewing number one this episode. Very nice. Wow, you've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? I should have mentioned this in the shout-outs, but I'm just going to go ahead and say this on the podcast. Josh Atello, you're a good man. You, you really are. Uh, you know, I consider you an awesome friend. And, uh, you know, Josh was kind enough to send me a microphone um, for the podcast. See, I've just got like a standard uh, USB right now, but he sent me a nice noise-canceling microphone uh, 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 my way. And that was just, that was really classy. Really appreciate it, Josh. So that was really nice, man. No problem. We're, uh, we're stepping the turtles up. So uh, <laughs> next episode, we'll both be in... Uh crystal clear hd quality audio <laughs> that's right that's right um, we're not we can't promise much on the content but at least we'll sound okay <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah i just that that's the first thing i just want to thank josh for that that was really cool i did pick up a couple of toys this week first thing i picked up i finally got paid uh, at the end of the month uh, i only get paid once a month so you know uh, that that day that, that i the paycheck comes in my checking account uh, I pay all my bills off, and whatever I have left over, that's the fun money. So I, I picked up, I picked up a couple of toys. I found a Snakeweed action figure, the 2012 one. I just loved his design; he looks awesome. And then the other one I picked up was Leatherhead action figure, and I hadn't seen this in the Walmart near my house. And I'd, I'd been consistently trying to find it and everything. I, I could not, I could never find this one, but I found it at the Toys R Us in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I, I snagged that right away. Okay, I was taking my my sister was having a bridal portrait done over in Knoxville, Tennessee, 
and I was taking my brother-in-law out, uh, you know, just to kind of go shop and, you know, do the whole nerdy bit where we were trying to find a comic book store and never could find it, and then we went to Barnes & Noble, we picked up a couple of graphic novels and everything, and right in the parking lot of Barnes & Noble was a Toys R Us. So Justin was like, hey, you want to go check out a few uh, toys? I said, sure, sure. So uh, we went in there, and I was just kind of casually browsing the Ninja Turtle section and everything. And then my mind was blown, Josh. Completely blown? Oh, you don't even know. It was like, boom. <laughs> it was everywhere. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, because not only did they have the 2012 toys, you know, a huge selection of them, I saw a classic collection, you know, uh, that was the, basically a re-release of the 1988 toy line. Uh, had the same exact box art, same exact figures, pretty much. Uh, same exact accessories from the er, the from the late 80s. And, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even know they were out. And apparently, uh, uh, I, I did a little bit of research later, it was just an, a Toys R Us exclusive. You know, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time because I hadn't been into a Toys R Us in probably 10 years. So I, I picked up a Splinter. I never had a Splinter as a kid, um, so I picked one up. And I wonder if he has a squishy head like the original toys did. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked him up. I picked up Shredder. I never had a Shredder for the original Shredder uh, growing up. So I picked him up, and I never had a Leonardo growing up of the original 1988 Leonardo. So I picked them up. Really, really impressed with these these re-releases. Uh, I think they were only like 13 bucks a piece. So I just kind of bit the bullet and just bought three of them. The artwork on these on these cards um, look great. Uh, they look just like the original sketches. I'm not sure if they're the exact same sketches, but even if they're not, they're drawn in the same exact style. So I mean, as soon as you see it, you feel like a five-year-old again. It's awesome. So I uh, looked on the back. I'm looking at the back of my Splinter right now. It's cool because they've got cutscenes of the comics. It looks like maybe the adventure comics um, or the original comics. It's got the original 1988 figures, the other figures, aside from Splinter. It's got the turtle van on the back. It's got a little biography about the turtles. Just really cool stuff. I was very impressed with these classic figures. So if you're a big fan of those old figures and you don't want to drop $60, $70 on those those originals, get these classics while they're, the, while they're out. And I know they're taking pre-orders on the turtle vans. So uh, just check out ToysRest.com and, and pick those up. So... Man, that is awesome. Yeah, I know they, uh, for the 25th anniversary, they re-released a lot of the toys. And I saw them, and I didn't pick them up. And I remember seeing the turtle van for like 50 bucks or something. And then a couple years later, that same turtle van seal was going for like 200. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah, if you want it, you better get it while the getting's good because they're not going to be around forever. And that's so cool that they're releasing that Playmates toy line. I am definitely going to pick some of those up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just happened to be the right place at the right time, you know, and it just, it just blew my mind that they happened to be there. So I got those. And then the last thing I got that was Ninja Turtle related was, and I'm going to sound like a complete dork here, um, I picked up a Michelangelo uh, nightlight. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's it's lighting up in my game room right now, and uh, it just he looks awesome. I got him kind of tucked in the corner on top of a, a couple of my X Men action figures and stuff. I was like, you know, it, it I don't know, it brightens up the room. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. So yeah, I guess that's it for the turtle pickups for us. April All right, I guess it's time for some turtle news. Uh, we've already touched on it a little bit, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows video game is out. 
uh, as of August 28, 2013 on Xbox Live. It's also on Steam. Uh, you can get uh, both versions for uh, 15 bucks. I think Steam, you can just get on your PC for $50. They used to have it where you could get 1,200 Microsoft points on Xbox, but now I think you just have to fork over 15 bucks, which is basically the same thing. But for some reason, it's still not available on the PlayStation Network until I've got a date written down for September 24th. So be on the lookout for that. The 25th issue of the IDW series, uh, comic series, is out. The Eastman cover looks awesome, by the way. I, uh, I got to see that. It's kind of a black and white sketch. I'm a sucker for those. And it's part of the City Fall saga, so I have not read up to that yet. So I really have no idea what that's about. But it's out now, and apparently you have it, don't you, Josh? Uh, yes, I do. And actually, um, what the... Oh, you said the Eastman cover was black and white, so... I think so. I know my... Yeah, my number one is an Eastman cover, and my number 25 that I picked up was not in black and white, so I don't believe it's an Eastman cover, but actually, the new series that I got is an Eastman cover of, uh, of the animated series, so I've got some of those. Wow, he, I didn't even know uh, Eastman did the covers for the animated. Yeah, it's, I think I'm almost positive. Uh, it says... Uh, yeah, um, for my number one... Uh, variant cover at the bottom it says uh, Eastman 2012. Wow, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Nice to see kind of his hand over that. And speaking of the adventure series, the, the second issue is out. It looks like it's been out for about a, about two weeks now. And apparently it's about my main man Snakeweed. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like his design. I don't know why. There's something about Snakeweed I really like. I, I like the fact that his heart's, you know, right there bulging out of his chest and everything. And he kind of looks like a demonic praying mantis vine snake thing <laughs> so <laughs> it reminds me of uh, general grievous and his heart yes you know, yeah, yeah. It, also poison ivy oh yeah wow general grievous and poison ivy mixed into one <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i think that is it for the turtle news hey did she say pizza so you live in an antique store yep pizza well, above actually well i was gonna give you guys a tour of the store Ready? Damn, we're back. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> All right, well, I guess it's time to talk about our toy of the week. And that would be the 2012 Splinter Action figure. And I'm already, you know, I'm sold on this figure already. You know, I'm, I'm sold on this character already. I mean, me too. He's the man. I'm, well, he's the rat, you know. <laughs> he really is. I mean, you think about it. How many cool rats are there out there? You've got yeah. mice, you've got like Mickey Mouse, you've got uh, the Chuck E. Cheese Mouse. Money Mouse? Uh, oh, Money Mouse. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That's a good one. But really, can anyone top Splinter? No. I don't think can't. so, Josh. You're right. I, I don't think so. <laughs> this 2012 action figure, I bought it uh, about two or three weeks ago. This is from the, the first wave of the 2012 uh, action figures. Um, and uh, along with it came out, you know, the Four Turtles, Krang, Shredder, uh, the Foot Soldiers, April. Um, I think they were all part of the first wave. And right away, one thing, well, it's not even so much about the figure, but the character himself looks radically different. Oh, radically. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it looks radically different from any other version of the, the Splinters. I mean, you think of the 1987 Splinter, you think of the 2003 Splinter, and this one. I mean, one, just like the colors, like his color scheme, he's got a... Uh, uh, a black fur, he's got white fur, like a brownish red fur. It's just all these cool markings on his head, and the figure nails it. I mean, the figure is identical to the uh, character in the 2012 Nickelodeon series. 
So anyways, uh, this figure is cheap. You can get it for about uh, $8.99 at Walmart uh, or, you know, Target or, or what, you know, most most stores will carry this if they carry the Ninja Turtle toy line. Do you, first of all, do you have this one, Josh? I do. He was the first one I picked up. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I like how you think. He was the first one you picked up. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it, it was funny. I saw him before. I saw the, the new 2012 cartoon series. I was like, oh, man, he looks awesome. And then I see the show, I'm like... Great, this is sweet. Yeah, he, he really does. Um, he really does. And he looks, even as a toy, he looks younger. You know, like, you know, and the, you see it in the show, obviously. And even in his voice, you can hear it, that he's younger. But the toy translates really yeah. well that, that he's, he's kind of a younger uh, mutant. Just talk about the figure. Uh, it's got kind of, well, just the box art, actually. Let's talk about that first. It's got that bright purple and green, um, you know, that really just kind of pops and I, I like the box art of these. I mean, it's it's simple. It's really not um, too complex. There really aren't any sketches, which can be a kind of a downer. But um, I don't know. I like it. What do you think, Josh? You can kind of see. It's kind of hard to see from the top. But if you kind of tilt, I mean, is your figure boxed? Yeah. Yeah, if you kind of tilt it and look down in it, you can actually see, like, the rooftops and everything of the city. Like, if you, if you tilt your figure up to where you're looking down on his head... And you look at the the card itself. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of see like uh, there looks like there's like a little well on top of this one rooftop and stuff. It's kind of a neat. It's a very subtle touch. It is. That's pretty sweet. Uh, I really like it. You know, I like I like the uh, the font that they use. It's consistent with the new series, so mm-hmm. sort of you know strengthening the brand or whatever. But uh, I, I think it's cool that it's got all four tur- turtles right on the front, just stacked up there right next to them. I thought that was pretty sweet. And the uh, the backside's pretty cool. It gives a little description of uh, of the character, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says Splinter, honorable sensei. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> such a nod to the original show. <laughs> <laughs> I just think of those goofy Japanese guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> with the bows on his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Proactive and precise, Splinter is an unmatched ninja master with a playful and deep spirit that probably comes in handy raising his mutant sons, Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo. Once a human known as Hamada Yoshi, Splinter continues his tradition of teaching ninjutsu and fighting the evil Foot Clan. Yeah, and I love that shot of him, too. He looks really serious there. Yeah, he does. And <laughs> like you were saying, he just he looks young, he looks more energetic, and I thought it was funny that they mentioned a playful uh, and deep spirit, because, you know, he is kind of a bit more playful in this uh, in this 2012 series, which yes. is a cartoon. Yes, I can't wait to talk about that. I wrote down, he had some awesome lines in that first episode. I can't wait yeah, to talk about did. those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, on the back of the card, uh, you know, like you said, it's got a biography of him. Um, talks about his weapons, hands, feet, tail, walking staff, anything and everything. Uh, team, obviously the Ninja Turtles, and then it's got the, the rest of the toy line there. Um, you know, the, the figures and everything. I kind of, I prefer this box art to the 2003 box art, I guess. You know, it's just it's just because I like bright colors, and I think that this kind of stands out. Um, you know, especially that, that neon green kind of um, uh, popping with the, the purple. So that's that's cool. But the figure itself, I have not taken it out, but I've done some research on it. And I, you know, why am I, why do I keep these in the boxes? I'll never know why I do that, because I want I want to play with them. I want to kind of angle them around the room and everything, you know, and... I'm, gonna, I'm running out of wall space. I can't hang them up anywhere, you know. So, but anyways, it looks like it, it looks like um, Splinter, his suit or his kimono or whatever that is that he's wearing, it's not like a traditional cloth like the original toy. It actually looks like it's it's actually part of it might be plastic, um, you know, that's attached to his chest. You, you can't get it off. Another thing is um, 
it looks like his his head moves side to side, but that's about it. But his arms, it's kind of nice, his arms have ball joints, so they can still move out and in, which is kind of nice. That's pretty good articulation. Um, his elbows, or like his forearms, they kind of twist in and out. Um, his legs, from what I was, uh, what I've researched, they they are mobile. Can you can move them back and forth, but the bottom of Splinter's robe kind of hinders that movement from a full motion, so he doesn't move quite well there. Uh, his arms are actually flexible too. Like you can kind of twist his arms a little bit, uh, they're, so they're not real stiff like the original figures were. Uh, so he does have some pretty good articulation, but compared to the other turtles in this line, um, he's a little bit more limited in what he can do. He does have one accessory that comes with this toy, and that's the bow staff. Or, or nah, no, it's not a bow staff, but just a normal staff. I like how it looks. It's like a like a neon blue, almost like this this jade kind of color. Yeah, I, I don't. Is it like that in the uh, in the cartoon? I don't remember. I don't know. I was wondering the same thing because I don't remember him walking around with it much, but. You know, surely he, he has one, unless they just made it for this figure. But uh, it's a cool-looking staff. It's not just like your typical uh, wooden staff. Comparing it, I, I've got my... In my left hand right now, I've got the 1988 re-release, classic splitter. And in my right hand, I've got the 2012. They are... Looks like the exact same height. Uh, if anything, maybe the new splitters are slightly taller. But they look incredibly different. I mean, it's amazing how different they look. Splinter, like the 1988 Splinter, he looks like a rat. Uh, he, he really does. The 2012 Splinter still looks like a rat, but he looks like a rat mixed in with like a kangaroo or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, you're right. Like it, in the face. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of funny. Uh, his face, it's actually really white in this uh, on this figure. When you look at the picture on the back, it's not quite as white as it is on the figure. Oh, But good it's still point. pretty cool. Yeah. I love the goatee. That's so awesome. <laughs> I know, I know. You, you ever notice somebody, anybody who has a long enough goatee like that is usually wise? <laughs> I know, yeah. I better start growing mine. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I'm, maybe that'll make me a little bit smarter. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, overall, I think this is an awesome figure. I, I really like it. In, in comparison, I think the goofiest Splinter I think I've ever seen, I don't know if you've ever seen this figure, but they made a figure based on the 1990 film. Um, a Splinter figure, really? and he looks weird. Like I don't know, just the way he looks, he looks very odd and kind of goofy to me. <laughs> so I think out of all of them, this is my favorite articulation or my my favorite version of Splinter, at least in the toys. But yeah, I, I would give this. Um, the only knock on it, I would say, beside maybe the box art not being as detailed as the originals, is the articulation. The current turtles are a lot more flexible than this current Splinter is. So it had the potential to be even more flexible than it is. So, yeah. Well, we don't know if he has a squishy head either. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, he... I, I didn't take him out, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably a little bit taller just because he is younger. Because you know, you kind of shrink as you get older. So that's it. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the 1987, he was shriveled down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I've got to say, the box art it definitely screams Nickelodeon. Uh, oh, it does. With, with the colors and everything, it makes me think of like. The early 1990s Nickelodeon green, neon green slime. Oh, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. I never even thought about that before. That's true. Yeah, so I, I think it's a good a good fit between the Nickelodeon and the, and the Ninja Turtles. It seems uh, it seems like a good fit, and I guess so. Yeah. Any time will tell. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many parallels. You got the slime, and then you got the uh, the ooze. I mean, they look yeah, exactly the same. Right, and then <laughs> the orange Nickelodeon makes you think of uh, Michelangelo. Now, I, I just wonder if, like, you know, what was that show... Uh, 
Oh gosh, where they they would slime you if you got like the answer wrong. What was that? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. Uh, was dare it double something? dare? Double dare? Double dare? Yeah, double dare. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, imagine if they like if you got the question wrong, they poured that uh, uh, the stock gen mutagen on you. <laughs> I might do it on, that, on purpose. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So, but yeah, uh, overall, I will give the 2012 uh, Splinter action figure. Uh, a 9 out of 10. I think it, it's just a solid figure with solid box art. I'm sold on this character anyway, and for eight ninety nine, this is a pretty good pickup if you're a huge Turtles fan, so go check it out. And it's easy to find. And I think that's it for the Toy of the Week, my man. How you doing? Hot. Nice night. Mm-hmm. Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's time for Casey's Comic Classroom. It looks like you're the one who used to be taught a lesson, pal. Here's Club Joe, Casey Jones. The first on our agenda today is the IDW series number one of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Woohoo! <laughs> so, it's kind of funny how I got started on this series, actually. Uh, like I said, I'm still relatively new to the comics, and I went to my local comic book shop, and I asked them, you know, I said, I want the, the first Ninja Turtles comic, you know, I want, I want to start from the beginning. And they pointed me towards this book, and it's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Changes Constant, Volume 1. And it's uh, by Kevin Eastman, Tom Waltz, and I, Dan I Duncan. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw Kevin Eastman, and I was like, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's got to be it. So uh, this is a hardbound um, book. It's, uh, it's bigger than the size of a normal comic. Uh, it's nice. It's pretty robust. Uh, the sticker price is $49.99. I think it got it up for around 30 bucks. Uh, so I picked up this book and I was like, all right, that'll get me started. Cool. And it's really neat because it's got a bunch of sketches in the back. So uh, it's about half regular, uh, you know, glossy color comics. And then the other half is sketches. And it looks like, and I, I haven't gone through the whole thing yet, but uh, these are actually Kevin Eastman's original sketches uh, with his comments written in the borders. And uh, I sent a couple pictures over to Rob so you could take a look at them. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at them right now, and they look awesome. Like, this, these sketches alone make me want to buy that, uh, that, what is it, four comic collection? It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Changes Constant Deluxe Edition. Yeah, it, it looks awesome. I'm looking at uh, the one with Splinter and Old Hop right now, and yeah, it looks cool, and it, I'm going to have to invest a couple of bucks into this one. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Changes Constant, that's the name they gave for the first four episodes, I guess. There is, uh, there are, I think there's another collection, another trade book of, you know, just the four comics called Changes Constant, and then this is the deluxe edition of it, which gives you all the sketches and stuff like that, but yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, uh, I, I actually didn't know that, like I said, I was just getting into it, I didn't know that this wasn't the very first comic, that this was the re-release of the IDW series, but it's kind of neat, you know, it's, this is a brand new series of the Turtles, but, uh, Kevin Eastman, one of the original creators, is involved, so... It is sort of a, a first fresh start. It's pretty neat. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely hope with with this series. This is the the first. I think two or three issues are the only ones I've read of the IDW series. And already, you know, just in these first couple of issues, you can you can tell that there's a lot of soul in this comic book. They kind of take the Ninja Turtles origin story in a different direction, and I like that. I mean, I'll save my review for the end, like what I think of this comic book. But let's just put it this way, I cannot wait to read more of this series. I can't wait. It, I'm just, I'm hooked. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because I, I had the same problem. 
So I picked up this collection book, and when I went to read it for uh, reviewing it for this episode, I have an original regular comic, and I have the hardbound book, and I just happened to grab the book, and I was reading through it, and before I even realized it, I was in issue number three. So <laughs> I was like, oh, you know what? I better stop here. I'm getting too far into this. I don't want to give too much away accidentally in the podcast. Is uh, it's it's definitely got me hooked right away, and and like you said, it's it's neat that they take the origin story in a different direction. And you know, the way I feel about it is, had it been written by somebody other than one of the original creators, I might not be okay with it. Mm-hmm. But since Eastman's in on it, you know, it's legit. That that's exactly how I feel because you know it, it is very it's quite different from what we're used to. And like you said, you know, if it hadn't been for, you know, if it had been somebody else that wasn't one of the original creators, I'd be like, oh, well, that's just his interpretation. But since, you know, Kevin Eastman uh, was a major part of this, I like it. I like it a lot. And it feels like it's Ninja Turtle canon to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, this first issue was released back in August 24th of 2011. Uh, The story was done by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. The script was done by Tom Waltz. The art was done by Dan Duncan, and the colors were done by Rhonda Pattison. Uh, there were actually 13 variant covers of this comic book. That is crazy. Wow, that's <laughs> got to be some kind of a record. I know, I know. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I have cover C. Yeah, it's got Leonardo uh, with his katanas and everything, and he's running down the sewers. Uh, very cool artwork. I like how the turtles look in, in this entire series. Uh, and I think Dan Duncan had done the, this cover. Uh, looks really cool. So I've got... Uh... Like I said, I've got the hardbound book, and I have, a, I think it's the standard cover for issue number one. Yeah, it just says number one, so it doesn't say that it's a variant. So my regular comic book, it's a black and white cover, and it's Eastman's cover. So uh, I really like it. I like the art style. It's got Leonardo. So he's Leonardo's up in the air, and he's got his katanas pointed outward at about uh, 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock. And, you know, his... His bananas up in the air, and then his brothers are surrounding him. So on the right, you've got Raphael, and he's he's holding one side up in the air and one down. And then you've got Donatello on the left, and he's raising his bow up in the air. And then Michelangelo's kind of crouched down in front, and his uh, his nunchucks are just kind of hanging there, dangling, kind of resting, waiting for him to pounce. It's it's pretty awesome. Not nice. It's I like the art style. Uh, even in black, I've got it in black and white on the comic, and then the cover of the book is in color. And I actually prefer the black and white a little bit, hmm. um, which no, is interesting. No fair. You got a prettier cover than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the black and white really shows how gritty it is. Uh, and, you know, there's just a lot of intricate little lines showing some some detail and things like that that I really like. I, the artwork in this this entire issue, I think, was awesome. And apparently I got a really good deal on this uh, on this issue. I didn't know. Uh, Rob, you were telling me about how hard it is to find these. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Like, uh, uh, see, I kind of live out in the boonies. <laughs> you know, I live, I live on top of the mountain in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, the nearest comic book shop for me is about uh, an hour away. I, so I order most of my comics online. And, you know, I'd like www.mycomicshop.com. First of all, the first five issues of the IDW series, you about you, you can't find them on there. It just just about every time I check, it's not on there. I've added it to my wish list. As soon as I get an email saying, "Hey, it's in," I go to the website and it's gone. Somebody already bought it. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So I, I you know I check on eBay and everything, and the first issue of the IDW series, just the first one, uh, goes for at least over twenty dollars. So uh, you know, it's I just downloaded mine on my iPad for now until I can uh, maybe get, like, a collection like you have, Josh. But, uh, yeah, yeah, if you go to get the first issue right now, it's already it's already crept up in price pretty dramatically. So uh, that's, just, uh, that's crazy. I know, yeah. So so for, you, for, for a lot of you guys who are trying to 
you know, get into the series, just go in there knowing that, you know, if you, if you want to get the original comic book, it, you're going to pay a couple of bucks for it. <laughs> I guess it kind of speaks to the whole idea of comic book collecting because it came out in 2011, so only two years ago, the cover price was three ninety nine, and already it's already up over twenty dollars. Oh yeah, so that's that's five times what you paid. Oh yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the Ultimate X Men comics. Like I, I remember back in two thousand one, um, I was one again in the X Men again, and uh, I think like by then I think like it was in a you know ten or twelve issues into the series and everything. I was like, well, you know, I want to start from the beginning. So I. I, uh, I I was looking at the price, you know, I think I think eBay was out then, or I forget where I was when I was looking for the price, but the first issue of the Ultimate X-Men had already crept up over $100 in price, and I was like, jeez, that, that that was quick. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was crazy, so I never did get started on that series, uh, so I, I'd be interested to see, uh, you know, how much um, the first issue is nowadays, you know, 13 years later, but, uh, but yeah, it's amazing how quick they go up in price. But one thing I gotta say about this comic right away, it starts off with action. It's like right in the middle of the story as soon as you open the first page, which seems like a almost like a motif in the Ninja Turtle comics. Yeah, yeah, it's and it, again, it's it reminds me. There's an alleyway. There's the turtles. There's a gang. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the purple dragons here, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, you know it's kind of funny. The first thing I noticed was uh, so the gangster in the, in the very center of the page. They're you know they're in an alley and there's some cars that are piled up. And the guy closest to the car, he's wearing a shirt, and it's black shirt with like a skull on it. I was thinking the Punisher, yeah. I, you know, I was thinking of Danny in the original movie. Oh wow, good eye! I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I was like, that looks like the same kind of shirt he was wearing. That's him. <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, he, he, he stole that twenty dollars from April. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew he turned into a thug. Yeah, yeah, he's straight gangsta. Oh, like like you were saying, Rob, it's cool. It starts right off. Right away, there's a bunch of action, and they're in a, sort of a, just a dank alley, I guess. But one of the things, the other things I noticed was, if you look at the ground in the comic, there's not really much much texture to it. You know, it's sort of flat. Mm-hmm. And as the same thing with the sky and with the buildings, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. There aren't a, a lot of intricate lines like there are in some of the other series. So it's it's sort of more sort of bleak i guess yeah yeah i I definitely noticed that like i think this entire issue like every time i look at the sky it looks like it's storming out as a matter of fact uh i think this is a conscious obviously a conscious decision by the artist because one of the first things that's said uh is and so it begins dark clouds gather and and pretty much the entire issue first issue is a dark cloud atmosphere um which i like i I think it just kind of sets the mood of or the tone of this entire uh series yeah, and uh, it's so I've got my original the, uh, the sketch here from Eastwind in the uh, in the book, and it's interesting to note that the turtles are actually on the left, and the gangsters are on the right, and to me it looks like there's a few more gangsters in the original sketch, and there's only one car and there's smoke rising from it, so it's to me it seems like it's uh, there's a little bit more going on in it, and uh, they sort of made it a little more simple for the actual regular page. So what do you make of our first main villain here? You know, I so I had never seen or heard of him before other than I picked up one of the villain series. Uh, I haven't started reading him yet. I've just been grabbing them as they come out. Mm-hmm. And there, there's an old Hob one there. And I was just like, oh, he's, you know, one of those weird one-off villains or whatever. Right. And then I see him in the very first issue here. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, this guy looks interesting. <laughs> looks like a pirate cat at first. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, he, he does. He does. And, you know, he's a pretty much a mutated cat. I don't know what happened there. I don't know exactly his origin story. Now, I did actually read part of a review that um, uh, Mark Pellegrini had, had uh, written uh, based on the villain series that you just mentioned on Old Hawk. And I'm a sucker for animals, man. I love animals. I do. And from what I had seen, it sounded like Old Hob was abused or, or something like that, like as a, a, you know, when he was a normal cat. But he had been abused, and I think he had grown up resenting humans for being so cruel. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's what's going on here. I don't know exactly what his hatred and his backstory is with Splinter, but apparently, you see that right from the first scene, he hates Splinter, and he hates everything Splinter stands for and wants to kill him. Oh, yeah, he's he's calling him out right away. He's, oh, he is. This is how it's going to be? You're going to hide like a coward behind those freaks? He's calling him out. He, he just he wants to get out of Splinter right away. And uh, I will say, though, the origin story for Old Hob is within the first couple of issues of the series. Oh, nice. So we will get to that. Oh, sweet. I can't wait. Can't yeah, wait. Yeah, I, I accidentally already read it, so I won't disclose anything. But it's <laughs> it's very interesting. Well, so, yeah. So, anyways, so Old Hob, he's like the leader of this gang. And then he, um, you know, pretty much, I think it's on the second page, he says, uh, waste them all. All right. And uh, he has all the guys take on the turtles while Hob takes on Splinter himself. Uh, the turtles make pretty short work of the gang. All right. Uh, pretty much beating them up very quickly. And uh, even Splinter's, you know, beating up a few of the gang members uh and then hobbs or hob uh takes on uh, splinter one-on-one which i thought was really cool yeah you don't i mean usually in the comic book series you don't really see splinter out and about and, and attacking that much and very first episode or very first issue right here straight away we've got splinter one-on-one with a main villain which is pretty awesome yeah yeah and another thing i really like about the first couple pages is okay even when hob uh tells them to attack uh, Splinter reiterates, constantly reiterates to the turtles. Uh, he says, "My sons, none must die." All right. So he's saying, you know, defend yourselves, but make sure you do not kill anyone. You know, and I, I like that. I like that. Although, you know, it's it's still it's it's self-defense, um, and even in, in such a chaotic time, there's still morality. You know, there's still like that that line that you draw to make sure that you don't turn into a villain. You know. Uh, I guess an eye for an eye, you know, no pun intended with old Hob, but you know, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, I like that. I like how, even though it's chaotic and they, you know, it's a deadly scene, split is telling them no one has to die here. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because in the, uh, in the Eastman sketches at the very bottom of, uh, I think it's the, the, the same page where they're about to face off. It's got a caption here, uh, with Splinter saying, Old Hob, this need not happen. We are not here to fight. And that didn't make it into the actual comic, but uh, you you read what they were going for uh, exactly, that he was trying to find a peaceful resolution to the situation. Wow, yeah, yeah. Even even in the original sketch, that was like the original purpose, which I like. You know, I, I kind of, I like that version of the Turtles better than I did, more so than the original. Because in the original, I mean, they killed people, okay? I mean, they, they, there was no... There was no mistake about it. They killed a lot of the purple dragons. Uh, yeah. And in this one, they kind of have standards. <laughs> you know, they, they, <laughs> they kind of uh, have some morality there. So I like that. I, I thought that was a nice touch. It kind of makes you root for them a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, you know, you got that classic there. I think it's a nice nod to the 87 series or the 2003 series. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of sense of humor. The, the turtles are joking as they, as they beat up these guys. <laughs> uh, what did he say? Raph said something pretty funny. What did he say? 
when he when he called them freaks, uh, I think Michelangelo said, "Hey, teapot, meat, kettle." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a little bit of humor there, but overall, it's a pretty dark comic. So finally, the uh, turtles beat up on the gang, and the, the main showdowns between Old Hob and Splinter. And I, I love one-on-one battles like this. And with the bittersweet <laughs> experience of centuries, uh, Hob says, "I'm going to tear you apart." And then uh, Splinter uses something. Yeah, okay, looks like he uses a bow staff and uh, catches uh, Hob right in the throat. And it says, um, I have defeated old Hob before. Then, as now, the battle was fierce. But what was once solely uh, a fight for survival has become very personal. So you, you know right away they've fought before, Splinter and old Hob. Splinter has defeated him before, and it was a fierce battle before. Uh, but this one, for some reason, this fight's far more personal. But yeah, we have no idea what's going on. This is the first time we're seeing this guy, or cat. Yeah, and it just makes you kind of wonder what what exactly is going on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I, I was hooked right away. I'm like, who is this guy? I, I was already kind of fascinated with Old Hob, and I was really hoping because you know some some characters in the Ninja Turtle kind of universe, you kind of even though they're villains, you kind of attach yourselves to them a little bit. Like you almost kind of I don't know identify maybe with something they're struggling with. Where you might not necessarily take it to the extreme that they did, obviously, but you can still kind of feel their pain a little bit. Uh, and I kind of, I don't know why, I was really, really curious about this old Hob character. I, you know, thinking, why does he, why does he have an eye patch over his, his eye? You know, what happened to him? Uh, and and why does he, why does he have this vengeance against Splinter? Well, what's going on there? I don't know. Like the parallel I make is like uh, Magneto and the X Men. Well, Magneto pretty much has a very reasonable or a very legitimate reason to hate human beings you know for, for what they did to him and his family out when he was a child so you almost kind of feel his pain you almost kind of see his reasoning that human beings often fear what they can't understand and because they fear it they attack it I don't know in, the, in that sense sometimes I can relate to certain villains thought processes but of course you know obviously I wouldn't go to that extreme or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, but old Hob here, I don't know why, there's something about him I just like, and I, I cannot wait to read his micro-series and stuff, and his origin story. And so finally, Splinter uh, defeats him, uh, the gang's all beat up, Splinter whoops up on old Hob, and old Hob says, you, I'll gut you yet, rat, you'll see, all of you, just like that, or just like that other stinking freak, you're all gonna disappear and be forgotten forever. Alright, and then he kinda jumps over a, a fence and he's gone. This is, I think, the best part of this whole comic book right here, this next scene. So, Old Hobbs just jumped over the fence, and it looks like uh, Leonardo is saying, uh, come on, guys, let's... And he's about to say, let's go. Uh, let's go get him, because he wants to go and chase after Old Hob. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Splitter says, no, we are done, my sons. We must go. It shows a picture of each one of the turtles, and they look very sad. What began in a ferocious roar ends in uncertain silence. And you just see Splinter... He's actually, it looks like he's crying. He's he is. Raphael. Yeah. He is. But there's, a, you know, every now and then you, you read a story or something like that, or sometimes in comic books, it, there might not even be any words there, but you see an image, and it's just so well drawn, and it conveys like that perfect emotion here. Splinter's just kind of looking down, he's got his eyes closed, and you just see this tear streaming down his face, and he just kind of whispers, Raphael. And then the next scene, you see Raph alone, in, you know, down walking down the street. 
and he's crying as well. You know, completely in a different location from the turtles. We don't know why he's in a different location. What happened to him? Obviously, old Hob knows why, but, you know, we as the readers, we have no idea. I just love that. I don't know. There's something about that. That part right there hooked me. I was like, okay, you know, this is going to be a good series. I cannot wait to read more of this. It definitely draws you in right away. It just leaves you with a lot of questions as to what exactly is going on. But, uh, and, and it's, it's interesting that, you know, when, when they first said that and I saw Raphael, before I saw his facial expression, I was figuring that he had run off or something. You know how he is. He's always a loner. Yeah. I, I figured that they were going to go that direction, that maybe he became a vigilante or something like he did in the 2007 um, movie or something. But then when you look at his face, like you said, he looks completely distraught. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like that exact moment where, you know, Splinters and, and the rest of the Turtles are crying and thinking of him. And at that same exact moment, you know, they don't know it, obviously, but he's thinking about them and crying as well. You know, maybe, perhaps you're right, maybe he has stormed off, maybe he was angry at Leonardo's leadership, like always, and just said, you know what, I can do a better job on my own. But, you know, months have gone by, or who knows, maybe even years, I really don't know, and he just thinks back to them, you know, and just misses them, even though he's too prideful to say he's wrong. Who knows? I I really don't know why they've separated. The next scene is a flashback uh, to 18 months earlier, and this is where I think the origin story is radically different. Yeah, well, definitely, yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's interesting that it, we're just going back uh, 18 months, mm-hmm. you know, not like in the original movie, you know, 15 years or 13 years. This It's, it's kind of crazy, you know? It's only 18 months, and it, so it, it shows stock gen research, and there's uh, someone saying, oh my gosh, and you see all the turtles in a, in a turtle cage. And it's it, it's kind of interesting how they transition from the really sad scene, and then they go to this really funny scene yeah. where you see the turtles, and that's got to be Michelangelo standing on top of yeah, uh, doing Raphael. A, doing like a piggyback. Yeah, and, and then, um, uh, so you see April, who's actually an intern for the StockGen um, research facility. And I guess kind of her mentor is this guy named Chet. And what's interesting about the name Chet uh, in the original comic books, Chet was the name of the character who had uh, brought home the Ninja Turtles, like had the baby turtles before they had, um, uh, I guess, fallen into that mutagen or whatever. Oh, so, I had no idea he even had a name. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty neat. And uh, um, I actually didn't know this. I actually looked on, um, uh, I got to give Mark Pellegrini some credit again. Uh, he had like the turtle tips at the end of his review of this uh, of this issue. Go read it. It's an excellent review. Uh, but he mentioned it, and I, di- I had no idea. So I went back and checked. I was like, whoa, there it is. Sure enough. That's so, cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. But yeah, you see April as an intern. Um, and what is her major fear, my friend? Splinter. Yes. <laughs> she Now, she has like a, I guess, now, did I understand this correctly? They, so they have these turtles. Are they doing any tests on the turtles? Or are they just kind of just pets of the scientists just for fun, I guess? Oh, <laughs> uh, they are doing experiments on okay. them. Okay. Also on Splinter as well. Yeah, I knew they were doing one on Splinter. Yeah, and... and the amazing thing is Splinter's name here actually has a purpose. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting, yeah, because they're talking about the uh, the type of research that they're doing on him. It's like a psychotropic uh, drug, and Splinter is talking about how, uh, you know, the personality or the mind sort of splinters into uh, different sections or, or what have you. And I think April names the turtles, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. So she's taking an art class, and she names them... Um, after the different artists for her her college course, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So so now, you know, that that's a pretty radical departure from uh, 
the original because Splinter was the one who named the turtles in the original. And the only thing I'm not sure I like is, so Splinter is just a lab rat with with being experimented on. Yeah. And I don't see the tie to martial arts yet. Yeah, I don't either. That that's one thing I was like, oh, so it seems like he's a rat all along, you yeah. know. And uh, that's that's very different. Um, it's gonna be interesting the way they kind of tie that in. How you know how does he learn all this martial martial arts or all these martial arts techniques and everything? But uh, but yeah, it, it kind of jumps around. This issue does, but it, I don't think it's too disorienting because the next scene, April's afraid of Splinter. All right, she's scared to death of the rat, and then it goes to the next scene, and you see Baxter Stockman for the first time. And he gets a phone call from a very interesting character. Who would that be? General Krang. General Krang, which already is like, what? You know, General Krang. I mean, I have no idea what, where they're going with this. Yeah, you're kind of left with a lot of questions. You're like, well, where does Krang come from? How does he fit into the picture? And I did think it was cool that April is uh, is working basically for Baxter Stockman, mm-hmm. which which is a throwback to uh, issue number two of the original series. I, I like that. That's oh, pretty yeah. cool. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting that it seems like basically Baxter Stockman is uh, is contracted to do work for Krang, mm-hmm. and it's like General Krang. You're like, well, okay, General so he, what? He, yeah, right. He's he's a military force, so already Baxter kind of has to be giving up, basically on the city, the the cops, maybe in the human race, maybe even the human race as a whole, because he's already working for the other side. Right. Oh, good point. Good point. I didn't even, I didn't really think about that. So what is it exactly that General Krang wants from him? Is it like a uh, mute, super mute gen for like super soldiers? Let's see, it says, um... Terrapin slash human exo armor synthesis in Rodina psychotropic serum. Yeah, so apparently they want that. I'm not really sure what that is. But uh, but <laughs> I love I love the way this is this whole thing's drawn because okay it's talking about it still has Baxter Stockman uh, uh, he's feeling the pressure from General Krang uh, and as a matter of fact Stockman he's a little bit late sending this um, uh, this stuff to General Krang but now he promises that he's going to hand deliver it to him you know he's kind of standing over Stockman standing over his facility and then it just shows Splinter with like this very sad face <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> He's got huge eyes. I know, I know. It's a rat with a puppy dog face. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so now this is where it gets a little bit confusing, or it can. All right, so this was 18 months earlier, you know, this flashback right here. And now it says three months later, so I guess that's 15 months earlier. Okay, so. Yeah, 15 months before the present in in this timeline. Right. So uh, you've got Jets talking to April, and he's saying, Oh, you've really taken to these turtles, April. Uh, I'm expecting you to steal them and take them home any day now. She says, uh, I wish I could, Lindsay, they're so darn precious. So she's just com- completely uh, in love with the turtles already, which is kind of funny. And then uh, the rat, not so much. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, um, Lindsay goes, Splinter, oh, he's not so bad once you get to know him. And she's, and April goes, why do you guys call him Splinter anyway? Oh, okay, and here's the explanation right here. Oh, well, he's part of a psychotropic drug test we're, we're running. The drug's effect is like a splitting or splintering. The animal's nature in two basically separating out a capacity for human-like cognition from the instinctual animal state, in theory at least. And then uh, and then you see Chet, it looks like he's making a motion to, to, uh, to cut it, like you're cutting across your throat. He's telling her to, uh, uh, the assistant to be quiet. And then April goes, psychotropic drug test? What is that? What the heck does that have to do with bioengineering meat? So 
April is brought on thinking, you know, they're they're bioengineering meat or food <clears throat> from these animals or whatever, but it's it's quickly revealed that there's uh, more than meets the eye. And there's robots in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was hoping you picked that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, yeah, so Lindsay, she kind of takes off after that. All right, but let me ask you this. I got to ask. I'm just curious. Do you think uh, Chad has a little crush on April? Oh, yeah, definitely. He's, he's, he's stumbling over his <laughs> <laughs> He is. He's very nervous around here. I think he's got a little thing for her. Yeah, well, plus he's trying to hide the fact that they're doing, you know, psychotropic drugs. On the, yeah, on that's the true. Maybe, maybe that's why he's nervous. And the nice, nice thing about uh, this is uh, April kind of justifies each turtle's name here. She says, um, okay, let's see. The little guy standing all still and quiet is Leonardo. The one studying the bug is Donatello. And the one gorging himself on lettuce is Michelangelo, which, you know, I just, <laughs> a couple more years, it'll be pizza. Yeah, yeah he's getting there. He's working his way up. <laughs> yeah. And then she kind of looks over at Chet, and Chet's kind of looking at her very quizzically. And she goes, uh, I have a history of Renaissance uh, Art 101 class this semester. And Chet goes, uh, okay. And he's like, so, so what about that guy? And then April goes, oh, the feisty one? That's Raphael. And then a great transition to the present day again. And you see Raph uh, digging in a dumpster, you know, just to try to find food. So he hops in. He finally finds this pizza box all the way at the, the bottom of the dumpster. And he's like, dinner is served. And he, then he opens it, and there's no pizza left in there. So he doesn't find any pizza in the box. So, he, you know, he runs out of there, uh, and now he's rummaging through some trash uh, down this kind of rough-looking neighborhood. You know, they have the trash out by the curb. So uh, Raph's kind of wandering around the neighborhood, uh, and he, he looks in this one trash can, and he pulls out this T-shirt that says Cowabunga, and then he says, oh, now that's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, and he tosses it away. He tosses it away. I was like, wow, I wonder if Eastman was trying to say something there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... See, and I was thinking about that. You know, in the in the 2012 series, the cartoon series, Michelangelo doesn't say Kawabanga. No, he says Buyukasha. Yeah, so it's like, maybe they are trying to backpedal on that. I don't know. Yeah, but it's so iconic. Just, just instead of fighting it, just just let it go. Let it, let it happen. <laughs> Kawabanga. Yeah, I know. That's just, it rolls off the tongue. Absolutely. Even Splinter likes it. Exactly. He, that's He's what always he always liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, so uh, maybe that was just a joke or something like that, but uh, it made me laugh at least. And then, so he tosses the cowbunga shirt behind him, and he's like, uh, he's like, that's just wrong. He tosses it behind him, and then he notices something, some kind of commotion going on. He's right outside um, this living room window of this person's house, and you hear this, this kind of, this teenager going, no, please don't. And you hear this other guy going, shut up. And then you hear uh, uh, somebody getting hit, a smack. Raph, he's getting closer to the window, and he sees kind of the silhouette of what looks like a father beating his son. And it says here, get up, I said get up. Uh, the son says, come on, just stop, you're wasted again. Just just go to bed and leave me alone. And then the father, I mean, he is just beating the heck out of this poor kid. He says, get up, you piece of garbage. And then Raph, he's just kind of getting this, this grimace on his face. He's getting really angry, all right? And you know what happens when Raph gets angry. Yeah, and the, the, he's just got this scowl on his face. He does. Sad. Yeah. You can't believe that this is a father that's doing this to his son. Yeah, and I love the next scene. You, you see um, the, the, this man, huge man, he's about to punch his son in the face. Um, you know, and you see, you know, all these like alcohol bottles and stuff on the floor. You, you kind of see the point of view from the living room uh, looking outside the window. And you see all these bottles kind of thrown on the floor. 
the, the walls are all, you know, the wallpaper, whatever's torn off, uh, paint splatter on the wall. It's just a rough looking place. You barely see out of the corner of the window on the left side, kind of a silhouette of Raphael just kind of looking angrily at the scene. Oh, man, he is creeping. He looks like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, he does. He does. So, um, you know, the father's about to strike uh, this boy again. And then here's where you finally get the boy's name. And guess what his name is? Casey Jones. Casey Jones. (laughs) The class is, uh, what is it? Class is Pain 101. Yeah, your instructor's Casey Jones. (laughs) So apparently he doesn't have his Jose Canseco bat to defend himself. Please, Jose Canseco. (laughs) Tell me you didn't paint him. (laughs) Ooh. So, uh, so Raph busts in. He finally, right before the uh, the father uh, uh, hits him again, Raph busts in. And, I love uh, the animation of when he busts in the door. You can actually see like the the hardware, and oh, the, like, yeah. the screws and everything just just coming apart, and the oh. door is just blasted off the hinges. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I agree. Okay, the father says, "No good, Casey. You were never." No good. Uh, that's a double negative. You shouldn't use that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that you were ever born. He's like, and then he goes, "Who the?" You know, when Raph busts through. And then Raph says, you know what I hate, jerk face? Stinking bullies. Let me show you how much. All right, and then it says, to be continued. So I was hooked. I was hooked. I can totally not blame you for reading, like, four issues ahead and not even knowing it. <laughs> I know, yeah. I mean, it, it seemed too short, actually. But it draws you in really quickly. I, I was hooked uh, from Old Hob on because you got so many loose ends here. you got so many questions, you know. Who is Old Hob? Why does he have a patch over his eye? Why does he have a vendetta against uh, um, Splinter? Why is Raphael away from the rest of the Turtles? Why is he sad, and why are the Turtles sad? You know, like, what, what happened between them? Why uh, is General Krang a general, you know? <laughs> yeah, why yeah. is Boxer Stockman helping him? Yeah, exactly. Uh, why does Chet have a crush on April? <laughs> no, just kidding. And, and why uh, Raphael like Halabunga? Yeah, I know! Why, you know, so many questions that need to be answered. Um, and uh, and I love how Raph runs into uh, Casey Jones at the end. I, I just think they're very similar in character, and I always loved how they were kind of always pretty close. You know, they, they kind of looked down for each other. And you see that, I haven't read a whole lot of the Mirage, uh, the original Mirage series, but I remember the fourth volume, you see that a lot. You see Raph and Casey Jones kind of hanging out together a lot. They're definitely kindred spirits. They really are. They really are. And... Um, because of that reason, because I'm just going to go ahead and get my review right now. The artwork. I'll start with the artwork. I literally got goosebumps. They, Old Hob had run away. And Splinter, Old Hob, you know, makes a reference to the other freak. And that kind of all triggers in their memory, Raphael. And Splinter just kind of thinks to himself. He's looking down. His eyes are shut. And there's a tear streaming out of his eye. And the next scene, you see Raphael tearing up as well thinking of them to me that just that artwork was awesome i was sold right then and there i love a lot of the open-endedness if um i love the lot i love a lot of um the, the new elements to the story uh that kind of make you want to read more i have to say i'm just gonna go out on a limb here i liked this better than the original comic book I'm just, Ooh. yeah, I know, which is blasphemy. I know. That's but a tall order, my friend. It, it is. It is. I mean, but there was there was emotion in this comic book. There, there was something that I felt in this comic book that I haven't felt in a comic book in a long time. I, I, this is, to me, a perfect 10. The only, like you mentioned, the only drawback that I could possibly think of, and this is just a personal preference, 
is the fact that Splinter is not Hamato Yoshi, at least that we know him as. You know, he, he seems like he's a lab rat the entire time. Um, I love this first issue. I thought everything was great in it. Uh, I I give this a perfect ten. This was awesome. I gotta say, I like the original comic better, but you know who wouldn't? So right, <laughs> cheers to you for sticking to your guns. I... <laughs> but um, as far as this issue goes, I think my my number one biggest uh, biggest problem with it was I felt that it was too short. But mm-hmm. you know, they they did try to cover a lot of ground, and I guess really you got to give them some credit because they're trying to cover three different stories at once. They're trying right. to say, here's what's happening right now with Old Hob, and then here's here's part of an origin story with April and the Turtles, and then um, here's what's going on with Raphael. So, uh, you know, I'll give them some leeway because they're trying to tell three different stories at once, which, you know, that it's kind of cool. It keeps things fresh. I like that. Yeah. So uh, I do like that. I wish it would have been a little bit longer, but I like what they did with that. I thought that was cool. Um as far as the art, as far as the artwork goes, uh, I agree. I like it. I like the original artwork a little bit better because mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit more gritty mm-hmm. and there's a little bit more detail. I think, uh, like we were saying in our uh, our first episode, I feel like in the original I can scour the background details a little bit more in that. Right. There's a little bit more to soak in, but uh, at the same time, I think uh, the characters are a little bit more expressive in this. Um, like you're yeah. saying, like like Splinter's face, you can see how sad he is. And to the left, it shows each one of the turtles, and they each have their own distinct facial expression of, you know, one looks more worried, the other looks more sad, uh, you know. And it's I thought it was, that was kind of interesting uh, how they did that. Um, and I I think my favorite shot in the entire comic, uh, I know yours is of of uh, of Raph and uh, and of Splinter being sad. My favorite shot is uh, it looks like. Donatello as uh, as a regular turtle, he looks like he's trying to surf on top of uh, <laughs> Michelangelo's trying to surf on top of Donatello. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that shot. <laughs> that is pretty good, and that's a good transition to kind of balance things out. But like you said, it's it's action packed. It it leaves you with more questions than answers, which I always like. That it kind of draws you into the story. Yeah, me too. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's a fresh take on the turtles, which I'm I'm totally cool with because it's going to breathe new life into the franchise draw more fans in and there's there's always something new going on with the turtles so uh for me i think i'd probably give it uh an eight out of ten i i liked it a lot oh, it was solid. really good mm-hmm. yeah it was it was really solid if it had been a little bit longer i might have given it uh eight and a half or nine but other than that it's, it's a solid comp it's really great so uh it's a great issue yeah definitely something that you would want to pick up and check out yeah yeah I, I have to agree i mean you know you do make some good points it is it seems a little bit shorter i do agree with you that the original comic had a, a lot more detail in the artwork uh but th- i mean this one has some great detail as well i'm not that's not a knock on this one but it seemed like there were there was a lot of things you, you know you it's almost like you could look at like the original comic book and you could look at the page for 10 minutes and just notice little things here and there you know that that this one you don't quite notice as much um so i'm with you there but it, uh, just story wise i just think this is a little bit more interesting and i love the fact that the turtles have a little bit more standards in this one you know they are not ruthless as or at least as ruthless as they were in the original comic book which i like you know i, I like that they have kind of a good side to them yeah, I, I think I prefer them in, at least when I'm reading comics. I like the original comics that they're, it's a lot different than the TV show. Yeah. So you need to get a big variance, and I like them being more action-oriented. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you're saying, the first issue was, it was basically a trial, a one-time thing. It was a story in itself, open and shut case, beginning, middle, end. You've got a whole story, right. which is different. And in this issue, it's 
beginning uh, a fresh new franchise. So it's trying to establish itself as being legitimate and it's trying to draw you in. And I think for what it's trying to do, it does an excellent job. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree. You know, there's only one other issue that I like more than this one, uh, and that is from the fourth volume. Uh, uh, and it was um, it was actually the one I talked on the, the Retro Junkies episode that was written by Jim Lee, uh, which was kind of a one-off. But that issue, all right, I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to edit this out of the podcast. <laughs> you know, I made one too, but I'm not going to. That issue got me teary-eyed. It, it just did. Um, it was, uh, I cannot remember the, the issue number. I think it was like 15... Um, it was the one with Michelangelo and Clunk uh, in, in it, and uh, that just that was so touching to me. I think it was called The Path, that issue was. Um, just a great story, but this one is very close. I mean, this one's up there. Uh, so. I, know, I thought it was interesting what you were saying about um, that, that scene with Splinter and the other comic, how they can actually convey emotion really, really well in these comics, and I like it. I think comics in general are a very very good storytelling medium because if you want to tell a story in a comic you don't have to worry about getting approval from a panel of people to get financing to make like a movie uh, you don't have to worry about who you're going to cast you don't have to worry about when they're going to be available or how it's going to look to other people with a comic book you get your story and you find someone that that understands what you're going for that can draw it and you work hand in hand it's two people telling a story how they want it and because of that the, between the writing and between the drawing, you can convey exactly what you want. And and comics have a nice way of being mysterious, you know? Right, yeah. Like, you don't exactly know what's going on, and it kind of drives your imagination. Mm -hmm. um, but at other times, they can be very specific. Like, you know that Splinter was very upset about Raphael being gone. Yeah. And I think if, if you were doing a movie, it might be harder to, to do that. Right. Oh, it is. It is. You know, certain comic books, just the way they're drawn... And just the way they're written, there's no way a movie could even capture a fraction of that kind of emotion. Like, I, I as a matter of fact, I, I just finished reading a graphic novel uh, called The Long Halloween. It was a Batman graphic novel called The Long Halloween. Uh, and, man, talk about powerful stuff. Just the way it was written, just the way it was drawn, and how they just worked hand-in-hand hand perfectly together. You identify with the characters. You are captivated by the artwork and the dark artwork that it was and how it seems so different from a lot of the other Batman comics. It's, you know, it's just so iconic. I don't know. I think that's the thing that comic books convey that nothing, no other medium can convey as, as well. Um, and I think, you know, in, in this case, with the Ninja Turtles, believe it or not, you know, we all think, oh, come on, how can you get teary-eyed from Ninja Turtles, you know? Because you, yeah. th you think of the 1987 series. That's what most people will think of. Read the comic books. If you have not read them, read them. Um, there, there are some issues in the fourth volume. Well, I don't want to know. I don't know if I want to give it away. But certain characters die in, in those issues that you might not be used to seeing. So. I, I, I agree, and like you were saying, you know, comic books are very special. They are. They, they can convey uh, stories, and, and I think a lot of people, even myself before I was into them, you know, I just kind of took them for granted, didn't take them seriously, but like Rob was saying, if you haven't tried it, you've, you've got to get into these, because a comic book has a way of drawing you into a story that uh, no other media does. You know, right. I feel like with movies, uh, you're really spoon-fed the story, and you're told how you're supposed to feel about the movie. Very a, a lot true. of times. Yeah. And, and in these, it draws you in and kind of lets you draw your own conclusions sometimes. 
I better I better stop. I, I could go on and on about this for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I, I will say this. I love to write. Um, I, uh, as a matter of fact, writing kind of got me into the profession that I'm, I'm in now. Uh, and one of my life's goals was to, to uh, write for comic books. I, I just I love comic books. Um, who knows? One of these days, good Lord willing, um, maybe maybe it'll happen. I don't know how it'll happen. But I just believe that comic books, you know, I think they get a bad reputation of being like these these funny, silly books that are, that are made for that are written for twelve-year-olds, you know, and, and they're not. They're they're so much better than that, um, if if people just give them a chance. But uh, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> we speaking of comic books, we better move on to the next one, huh? So one last thing I was gonna say is that uh, you know you were saying some people don't take comic books very seriously, but right. if you think of over the last two years, let's say. What are the the top grossing movies? Maybe not the top, completely top, you know, with with dollar amount. But in my mind, it's Batman and the Avengers, right? Yes. Huge. And what are they? They're comic books. And that right there tells you there's a lot of story in these. There's a lot of character development. Yes. There's setting. You know, there's there's relationships between characters that really they're starting to come out now in movies that they've been around for years and people have just taken them for granted. So if you haven't checked out a comic book, uh, even if it's not the Turtles, anyone, just get into it, you know? Read a couple issues and see what you think. Yes, I agree. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. Uh, I don't know, we probably might, might even have not even like a dozen listeners, but that's okay. If anybody out there is, um, say, somewhat affiliated with the Ninja Turtle comic book and would like to be on our show, please send us an email at turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com. We would love to have you on the show and talk about comic books with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess it's time to talk about the next one, huh? All right, uh, next up we have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles new animated adventures. Woohoo! All right, so <laughs> this is the uh, this is the companion to the uh, well, at least I I assume it's the companion to the uh, to the new 2012 cartoon series. Is it 2012 or 2011? Uh, I think it's 2012. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. The, uh, this issue is uh, brand new, basically. It just came out in July of 2013. Mm-hmm. It's got the IDW name and the Nickelodeon name on it as well. The version I have is actually the alternate cover, which uh, I was really proud to be able to pick up. <laughs> nice. It's got uh, all four turtles, and it's definitely Kevin Eastman's style. It's, it's interesting. It's a, a combination between the 2012 cartoon series take on the care of the characters, uh, but they're done in Eastman style. So it's, it's just a really good combination. I, I like it a lot. It's a really unique pose for the turtles. And I like that the, uh, the buildings in the background are fairly detailed. There's multiple layers of buildings. So you can tell they're definitely uh, in urban New York. Right, right. Uh, so you got the you got the Eastman one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you lucky man. I, I've just got the, uh, the the regular one. I'm not sure who did the cover for that. I mean, it still looks pretty awesome, but uh, I would love to have my hands on the Eastman one. Have you seen it? Have you seen a picture of it? Uh, I don't think so. No. It, it's pretty awesome. I'll have to send you a picture of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, there, it sounds there great. was a couple. Uh, there were a couple of them actually at the comic book store. Uh, so if there's an extra one, I might I might be able to pick one up. Oh. up for you. <laughs> well, I would definitely pay you for your troubles, man. <laughs> awesome. And, and and just just to add uh, to this, I was really excited when uh, I heard that IDW was going to do this because um, I was a huge fan of the Archie comics as a kid. I, uh, I I didn't read a whole lot of comics when I was younger. I did read a little bit of the Batmans and a little bit of the X-Men's. Um, you know, just basically whatever I could find at the dollar store uh, where I lived in Philadelphia. And... Uh, in that four-pack, um, uh, there would always be an Archie uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book. 
and I love those uh, because they were they were written in the same style as the 1987 cartoon. Uh, so I, of course, I wouldn't read them. I would just cut them up and everything, and just kind of tape them around my room and stuff. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't know. So uh, you know, I knew they were very lighthearted along with the cartoon, and I and I had a feeling I was very happy that not only do we have the choice between the serious side with the IDW comics, now we also have the choice of the lighthearted side with the adventure series. So I was very happy to pick this one up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, just one other quick blurb about the covers. Uh, on the inside cover of uh, of my copy, it actually shows that there are five different covers uh, for this particular issue. And uh, I like the Eastman one that I have. There's also one that I thought was pretty neat. Um, it's by Steve Conley, and it's got all four of the turtles. Uh, they're just, they look like, uh, you know, regular baby turtles. <laughs> and they're crawling around in the ooze. And the ooze is casting a light. And the background shadow behind them um, from this ooze, it shows them as shadows of them as adults. Oh, cool. It was an awesome take. I really want to get that that cover. I thought it was really cool. Nice. And it's, it's, it's the awesome con variant. So if anyone finds that, let me know where to, where to pick it up at. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so uh, this issue starts off with April, uh, interestingly enough. And it looks like she's climbing up in the rafters of, the, uh, of one of these sort of sewer den areas. And uh, the turtles are searching for her, and they're saying, "Oh, she's got to be here somewhere." Uh, you've got, <clears throat> you've got this, April, just like Sensei said. So uh, I'm assuming that's Donatello cheering her on as he has a crush on her. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, she's uh, she's crawling around in the uh, in the tops of the sewer, and uh, eventually one of the turtles ends up plugging her with uh, a, an arrow uh, because they <laughs> spotted her. <laughs> yeah. Who was it? Was that Raphael? Um, I, I think it was Michelangelo. Let me see. Yeah, it was Michelangelo. Oh, yeah. okay, nice. Well, at least, yeah, 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 because in the next scene, you can see uh, Michelangelo's got his finger up, and he seems pretty pleased with himself, and <laughs> Raphael's really upset. <laughs> uh, yeah, he says, he's like, yeah, but you can't hide from Dr. Feindenstein. It's actually funny, if you look at um, Splinter in this one, he actually looks a little uh, a little chunky there, doesn't he? Boy, he does. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I'm like, man, Splinter, you're packing on some pounds. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's probably all that uh, sushi, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's really cool. So uh, April's doing some stealth training, and uh, she was up there for a little while before she got shot down. So uh, it's interesting that uh, right away, first issue, uh, April's already with the turtles, and she's uh, trying to be trained on how to be a ninja. Yeah, yeah, and I I have to say this, and you know, it's the same thing with this comic book and the cartoon. I like the fact that April's training with them. Yeah, you know? I mean that does seem pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean you know, the, here's a human being training with uh, a whole bunch of mutants. Uh, and she's totally cool with it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what it is, but I love the art style here. Me too. I really do. The, the, you know that uh, the scene where uh, the turtles are standing around in the background, and April has fallen into the arms of uh, of Splinter, and he's he's caught her. But in particular, I like the front uh, of the shells. I think it's the carapace of the shells of the turtles. They're <laughs> they're kind of nicked up and marked up, and Raphael's has got a chunk missing. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, a good eye, man. I that's a good point. I just yeah I I can't put, quite put my finger on what it is but I really like it's it's like almost uh, HD you know they're yeah. really sharp and bright yeah another thing is um, what I, what I like is each turtle looks very different I mean like their build like their muscularity and stuff you know Raph's the most buff guy I guess Leo's kind of in between where Donnie's kind of the tall skinny guy and Michelangelo's the shortest one after. Splinter catches her, and uh, Donatello is uh, telling April that, you know, she's doing a really great job, and uh, he's trying to encourage her, even though she got caught, that she's doing a good job in her mm -hmm. training. 
And uh, she decides that she wants to uh, go on a mission with Donatello. And actually, it's Donatello's idea to take her with her, so probably because he's got a crush on her. And I think one of the turtles mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What it is, uh, Donatello, he's like, he's, you know, he's talking about the mission, he's and he says uh, to April, he goes, eh, nothing too crazy, but I'm heading out to the junkyard for some parts. You want to come with? Take your Konichi skills for a spin? And then Michelangelo's kind of looking at him, he's got hearts for eyes, he goes, oh, how romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I love Raphael. Yeah, a junkyard. Every girl's dream date. And... <laughs> If that, were, if that is, worked for my wife, man, I'd, I'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I'm pretty sure Raphael's reading comic books. <laughs> yep, that's it. And, and he's doing it in the in the cartoon series as well. I love that. I love that about him. He's, he's the tough guy, but he gets his comics in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a part, there's a very funny part uh, in the, the cartoon that we're going to talk about where it's very similar to that. I, I can't wait. Uh, so uh, Donatello is uh, is talking, and they decide, okay, April's going to go with them on this mission to a top-secret top military junkyard. <laughs> and uh, Leonardo is trying to tell him that they shouldn't go, and uh, he's saying, you know, April's not trained enough well. And a April goes, well, Leonardo, you didn't spot me, <laughs> because <laughs> Michelangelo's the one that did. Uh, and he gets, uh, he gets pretty upset, and she says, you know what, forget this, we're leaving. So she decides they're going to go anyway, and she says, come on, Donnie, let's go. And uh, Leonardo's just got steam coming out of it with his ears. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the Stooges or something there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they, they're heading out to this junkyard and everything. And one thing I noticed is that April is wearing a disguise. She's got a black wig on, which is kind of very different. She looks like, um oh, gosh. She looks Karai? like Karai. Yes, yes. She looks like Karai. And she also looks like Lydia from Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope she doesn't say Beetlejuice three times. Yeah, well, you just said it a second time. Be careful. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, so um, you know, Donatello, you know, he's being a big old hero and stuff. They're sneaking out to the junkyard. It's it's nighttime. Uh, they're sneaking up, um, I guess, it looks like the side of a building that has some barbed wire at the top. And Donatello, being the gentleman or gentle turtle that he is, uh, uses his bow staff, lifts up the barbed wire for her so she can crawl on through. Uh, and then finally, they get to this, it looks like almost like a futuristic junkyard because you look at all the stuff that's in this junkyard, and it looks like stuff from the future. It made me think of the neutrinos. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for them to pop through and go, hey, yo, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even know why. Um, but yeah, so, so they're heading out there, um, and uh, uh, Donatello is kind of explaining, you know, where exactly they are, they're, they're at. He says, this is where the military stashes its failed prototypes, cutting-edge stuff. And April goes, does any of it work? And, <laughs> and Donatello, being the, uh, you know, show-off that he, he, uh, he is, he goes, it does when I'm done with it. The look on his face is yeah. Weird. He looks like Don Juan or something. <laughs> He's just giving her the uh, Don Juan. Don, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you meant to do that, but that's good. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no pun intended. Don Juan. Uh, what was it? What exactly was he looking for? It was um, a diode module. Yeah, a diode module. Okay, okay. So uh, apparently he finds one. He says, "Aha! Perfect. This laser cannon ought to do the uh, ought to have a diode module st strong enough for my needs." And then April goes, boy, I'm glad you're not an evil genius. So he's getting that diode mo module out, and then all of a sudden, this uh, security guard comes by. Let's see, let me flip on over. Well, it's, it's funny when she goes, when she said, uh, it's, I'm glad you're not an evil genius, and he goes, wait, so you think I'm a genius? Well, so do I, but, I mean, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so uh, apparently uh, a security guard walks by, and they're trying to hide from him. 
which is kind of shocking to Donatello because usually they don't really patrol it as strictly as uh, they are this particular evening. Yeah, he says, uh, uh, weird, usually this place is empty. They must have upped their security. And April goes, sounds like a challenge, bring it on. He's like, no, we should go. So they're, they're trying to escape, and as they're escaping, I guess the security guard has a, 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 a dog that uh, happens to track April down. Uh, and she's running away from the dog, screaming for Donatello. So Donatello has to chase, uh, rescue April, but before he can get to her, the security guards find April and take her. All right. Uh, so Donatello's freaking out at this point. And then uh, Donatello gets on the shell cell, and he goes, uh, Leo, I hate to say it, but you may have had a point. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know he messed up. Yeah, so uh, it looks like they, the soldiers take April into the building, and they start interrogating her. And uh, they say, what is your name? She says, I told you, it's January McAndrews. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> that name sounds so made up. I, li- I like that it's, it's uh, a month as well, and the last name sounds uh, Irish as well. Yeah. <laughs> McAndrews instead of O'Neill. <laughs> um you know, so they're interrogating her, trying to find out what she's doing there. And uh, and she's trying to give them the runaround while Donatello's trying to rescue her. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other turtles show up, and uh, it's funny, uh, Michelangelo, go, they show up, and Michelangelo goes, uh, this place is cool. How come you never, never invited me? You know how much I love junk. <laughs> and uh, Raphael goes, uh, way to go, Donnie. Everyone knows the way to the girl's heart is to get her captured by the army. <laughs> and, and Leo says, this is seriously, this is serious, Raph. Where's April? So they're, they're scoping the place out, and Donnie spots the building that April's being interrogated in. And uh, they, they're they trying to formulate a plan as to what they're going to do. And uh, plan, and Raph says, uh, big deal, we face down giant monsters. These guys don't look so tough. Leonardo goes, the difference is that these aren't bad guys. We don't want to hurt them. Mm. Uh, and then Mike, uh, or uh, Donatello makes a really good point. He says, if the government sees us, they're going to want to know more about us. And then <laughs> Michelangelo says, I like well, this they'll part. just have to read my blog. <laughs> And Raphael smacks him in the back of the head and goes, Mikey, our existence is a secret, remember? He goes, oh, it's okay, I just talked about TV shows. <laughs> uh, and then they, uh, they end up getting spotted because uh, Raph is smacking um, uh, Michelangelo and they're talking pretty loud. So they get spotted and they uh, they throw some shuriken to take out the whites uh, and, and try to go uh, covert. So they end up getting uh, trapped behind, uh, it looks like, just a big piece of machinery or something, and they're trying to find out what they're going to do, and uh, they need a distraction. So, uh, I liked Mikey's line there. <laughs> uh, let's see, what does he say? Leonardo goes, uh, they're headed right for us, we need a distraction. And then Donatello starts staring at something and goes, oh, cool, look at that. And Raphael <laughs> goes, no, Mikey, a distraction for that. Oh, I uh, didn't catch that last time, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny. And then uh, it looks like they, they find a car that looks like um, some kind of a red hot rod or something. Yeah, uh, something it looks awesome. Yeah, looks, it does. It looks like Roadkill from uh, the Twisted Metal series. <laughs> it looks pretty awesome with the gun attached to the back. Yeah, it does. Uh, so they send the car careening off the edge, and um, the soldiers duck, and they look like they start to chase it because they think that the turtles are inside. Uh, so but that, how do they that, get the keys? I don't know. <laughs> A little too <laughs> convenient. <laughs> yeah, Donatello must have hotwired it. Oh, that's true. That, that can happen. <laughs> So they send the car off one way and it crashes and the, the soldiers follow it and the turtles go the other way. Uh, and then it pans back to April being interrogated by the uh, by the military officer. And uh, it's funny, April remembers uh, Splinter's advice saying, uh, Sensei says that the lie that works best is often the one that they want to believe. Ah. So she finally says, okay, I'm part of a ring of spies. And the, the guard goes, finally, the truth. And, uh, and she says, uh, that's right. 
And you know that laser cannon you've got out there? We're going to steal it. And then the guard goes, all units, get to the GX-17. Don't let them get it. And she's thinking, <laughs> I hope this works. So the guards that were going to be uh, guarding the building and coming after the turtles end up heading over towards this laser cannon. Mm. Um, so she was able to get rid of them so that the turtles are able to get into the uh, into the facility. Leonardo, he finally pieces it together in his head. And he, he sees all the uh, military guards uh, running toward uh, um, the, what is it, the XJ-17 laser cannon. Yeah. And, and Leo goes, nice, April. Then Mikey's like, April? Where? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, they head on in, they break in, and the military, military officers that are looking at April, they're like, what now? Because they see the alarm's gone off. Uh, and I guess they're using, is it smoke bombs or something like that? Yeah, yeah, smoke bombs. Yeah, so, so they throw those down, uh, they blind the military guys, uh, and, um, uh, and, and the ones in, that are interrogating April or guarding over her, she ends up like flipping one of the guys over on a table. Yeah, so her ninjutsu is coming to uh, play here. Uh, she must be working out. Yeah. <laughs> she must be eating her pizza. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Lots of protein. <laughs> uh, so Donnie, uh, you know, while they have the smoke um, uh, bombs going and everything, Donnie shuts down the cameras and deletes all the security footage. So I think that's, that's one of my favorite scenes in this comic. You can see uh, Donnie, he's at the computer, and his face is <laughs> lit up. Not only figuratively, because he's so happy to be at the computer, yep. but the monitor is kind of glowing on him. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it's the, a very iconic shot of what you would expect Donatello to be. I thought that was really cool. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess April beats both of those guys up, those guards that were looking at him, uh, or that, that were looking over her. Um, uh, she beats them up somehow. She throws one of them over her shoulder on yeah. the table, and then the other one, she's got a smoke Chases bomb. Her. Oh, okay, okay. That's oh, no, what no, that no. Is. I'm sorry. No, it was uh, it was her T phone. Oh. T phone self destruct. So I guess that's the shell cell or whatever. She sets her phone to self destruct and throws it in his pocket. Uh, kind of distracts him, and she runs out the door. Uh, and she hasn't met up with the turtles yet. The turtles are kind of an indifferent uh, part of this building. Let's see. They throw more smoke bombs down uh, at these soldiers that are trying to chase after them, and um, and then they they tie them up while they're kind of blinded by the smoke, so they don't actually hurt anybody. That's kind of nice. The turtles end up getting quartered, and uh, they're they're trying to find out where April is, and they're kind of wandering in a hallway, and uh, April. So they're, so they're still trying to find each other, and uh, one of the guards sees April and tells her to stop, and then. Uh, he goes to grab her, and he tries to grab her by the head, and he gets the wig, and she escapes. Oh, nice. That was kind of cool that the wig <laughs> comes into play. And then, uh, so back to the turtles, uh, Donatello throws his uh, nunchuck. It looks like it's got a blade on it. You yeah. know what that's called? I have no idea. It looks cool, though. Yeah, those look pretty awesome. That comes into play in the uh, in the TV series as well, actually. But uh, So he throws it up and tries to kill the lights. And some of them go out, but not all of them. So they're still, you know, it's, it's still kind of lit in there, so they can still be seen. Um, and they're still trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to escape and get to April well, without being in the shadows because it's not completely dark. Mm -hmm. And then uh, April breaks into uh, looks like a storage closet of some kind, and then she finds a circuit breaker and hits the lights. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, one of the turtles goes, "Oh, the lights went out." And then Michelangelo goes, "Oh, our wish came true. Now I, I want a skateboarding pony." <laughs> That'd be awesome. We we yeah. need to, we need to call this episode the skateboarding pony. Uh, but yeah, so so now I guess okay. So first they're tying them up, and I guess more guards just show up, and now they're starting to kick some uh, some high end here. Uh, they they beat some of those guards up pretty good in the shadows. So do the lights come back on? How does how do they? Uh, I think they end up escaping uh, through a trap door or something. Oh, okay, I see it now. Yeah, yeah into like a tunnel or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So so they escape. Uh, so they're on their way out, and I guess on their way out they. 
they run into April. Like, is, isn't Donnie, like, heading out one of the doors and April's on the other side? Yeah, yeah, and she smacks him with the door. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it had to be Donnie, too. Yeah, and then uh, April goes, who's saving who here? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of funny that she, she kind of proves that, you know, she's a valuable member of the team and she knows what she's doing. Right, right. So, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, they never do uh, – yeah, Donnie says, and we never even got the diode module. Sorry I got you into this, April. Uh, and then April's the one who actually has the diode module. She's like, oh, you mean this? I snagged it on my way out. And then, uh, you know, I guess they have the, they hop in the turtle van, and they head on back to Splinter. And at first, April's really embarrassed uh, and kind of ashamed, you know, when she's talking to Splinter. She goes, I'm sorry, Sensei. I just got so tired of hearing how I'm not ready. But I guess Leo was right. And then Leo actually kind of gives her a pep talk. She's like, not quite. I did underestimate you, April. You'd have been very proud of her, Sensei. She handled it like a real, I guess, Konoichi? I guess, is that a, like a, a ninja or warrior? Or? I'm guessing. Maybe it means Padawan, basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> or a ninja warrior, like the TV show. Uh, yeah, April goes, thanks, but I'd be fine with a little more training before my next mission. Oh, and, and I loved, okay, my favorite part of this comic book is this next scene right here. Because they, just like the 1987 TV show, they always wrapped it up with uh, them all eating pizza. Guess what they do in this in this issue? They eat pizza. Yeah, you're making me hungry now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, it's it's a little bit different because it looks like all they have on this one's pepperoni. That's true. That's true. It, it's actually a normal pizza. But, yeah. But what happens to it is a normal. So Navratil was finally got his uh, uh, his diode module yeah. for his his experiment, and it's coming from a high powered laser. So I was wondering, you know, what is he going to use this thing for? And uh, it turns out that he uh, finally has his missing piece for his latest invention. The laser pizza slicer. <laughs> so that's so, what this uh, is all about. They risk their lives for a laser pizza slicer. Nah, yeah, it seems like it'd be worth it. Yeah, he wanted his pizza. <laughs> so uh, they set up the, the laser uh, pizza cutter above the pizza, and it looks like it's on a big, like, a concrete slab of a table. And they turn it on, and it completely shatters the concrete. It obliterates the table and the pizza. Yeah, and then Michelangelo goes, The pizza! No! <laughs> <laughs> And Dennis also says, uh, okay, maybe I need to adjust the settings a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it ends. And, it, you know, I liked it. I, I, I really did. It, it reminds me of, like, a just a standalone 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja cartoon. It's exactly kind of what I was hoping for, you know. It's it's not – of course, it might not be the most groundbreaking story in the world uh, or anything like that. But I don't think it, it's trying to be. It's just trying to be fun and lighthearted. And, and I, I think this issue was every bit of that. Yeah, I think it was a really good mix because uh... – like you said, it's it's interesting. They're not trying to do a reboot. They're not trying to retell you the story. It, this is, you already know the turtles. You just want to hear a story about the turtles. That's cool. And I like the fact that, you know, it starts off with April, which is something kind of new because mm-hmm. we don't really know a whole lot about her character yet and what she's doing. And it introduces her as part of the team more so than uh, a damsel in distress, I guess, which I thought was cool. Absolutely, yes, I agree. And uh, it was kind of cool that they're showing that she's being taught and there were a lot of jokes, and it was kind of lighthearted. Um, and then it showed, you know, the noble side of the turtles, where they don't want to hurt uh, good people. So, like you're saying, it's a lot like the 1987 series, but it was it was a good mix of lighthearted and fun with uh, teaching you lessons about, you know, you need to be patient, even though you're not, you know, you want to get out there and fight, uh, but you need to be patient until you're experienced enough. You know, so I thought that was a good mix. What was the big deal about the military personnel being there in the first place? You know, what are they hiding? You know, maybe there's more to that place than uh, than they're you know than we know right now. So, you know, maybe maybe we'll go back to that uh, eventually. But 
But yeah, it looks like the next issue is going to be about Snakeweed, so uh, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like that that they have uh, right at the end of the last page of the comic, uh, you know, it says the end, and then the next page shows Snakeweed. It shows you basically what would be the the cover of the next issue. So, I like that. You know, it's it's uh, you already know what's coming up next, and you're uh, you're thirsty for more. Absolutely, absolutely, or hungry for more pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, and, so uh, what, what would you give this man? Uh, you know, kind of knowing what this is going for and everything, wh what rating would you give this one? Well, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say because I didn't know what to expect coming into it. I've never right. read any of the adventure series. Uh, I, So for me, I've only seen the hardcore um, original comics and then the even more hardcore almost uh, image series. So I didn't oh, know, I know what to expect. And I at the, uh, the comic book store in Ohio, I had a hard time finding this one because it ended up uh, on a different, in a different section, in the kids section, really. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was interesting, but, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I don't feel like it's uh, necessarily a strictly kids one. I think uh, just, it's it's targeted at, um, it's compatible for kids. It's a family-friendly version of Turtles, which I liked. Uh, I mean, for what it is and what it's supposed to be, um, I think I'd give it a seven and a half. It was, oh. it was pretty solid. Yeah, nice rating, nice rating. Uh, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think it's kind of everything I hoped for it to be. You know, like I said earlier, it's, it's lighthearted, it's fun. Uh, I love the artwork. I think the artwork is very, very good. Um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'm with you. Um, I, I don't think there's really one thing that truly bothered me uh, in, in this first issue. So, I, you know, I don't want, I don't know if I want to give it a perfect 10. Like, this is, a, oh, this is one of the best comics I've ever read. But, you know, I, I got to give it like a solid eight and a half or a nine. You know, this is just a, it's, it's a fun comic book and uh, it's a standalone. Um, so, uh, you know, guys, check it out. If you're a big fan of the 2012 series um, and you want a separate storyline, you've seen all the episodes because the first season's over now, uh, check this out. I think you'll uh, be pleasantly surprised at how good it is. Now, real, real quick, Rob, uh, can yes. you go, go to the first scene where April's being interrogated? Do you still have it up? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me pull it up. So, yeah, she's in the room, and uh, the top left panel shows the guard with the radio. Let's see. Uh, it looks okay. like it's page 14. Yes. So just looking at that guard, nothing else. Uh -huh. You don't know what comic this is from. What does that guard make you think of? The, the guard? The art style of the guard. Uh, I don't know. So for me, it, it takes me straight to the, uh, I think it's 1990, the animated series of Batman. Oh, yes. Yes. I it agree. Looks exactly like it. <laughs> it looks like it's straight out of it because Bruce Wayne. You know, yeah, the square jaw and and you know they're kind of beefy. That's exactly what it took me to. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, which you know, anything that's that's uh, similar to the 1990s uh Batman anime series, it's got to be good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. All right, awesome. Well, I guess it's time for our final feature, isn't it, my man? It is. All right, let's do this. It's time to review the very first episode of the 2012 Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. I guess it's a cartoon. Sure. Yeah, we'll call it a cartoon. So, something like that. TV show, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this, I don't, I don't have an air date for this one, but uh, obviously it was in 2012. Did, did you uh, find him one? Yes, I did. Oh, my nice. I mean, you're a professional. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, so the official premiere aired on Nickelodeon on September 29th, 2012. Uh, so uh, just about a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so the premiere's uh, success actually prompted Nickelodeon to order a second season. And in February 2013, the network uh, renewed the show for a third season. So 
Uh, we've got we just finished our first season, I believe, from what I can tell. Yes. The, yeah, the Buyuka Showdown, mm-hmm. and uh, we already know that they've already been working on the second season, and a third season is in the works. So, uh, this this very first season uh, and the the premiere was very successful. So I thought that was cool that you know Ninja Turtles are back. We've got yeah. a new animated series, and people jumped on on board right away. So I'll, I'm glad to hear that. Me too, me too. And, and I mean, they were cr- they were cranking these episodes out quick. I mean, the first season had 26 episodes in it already, uh, and we only had to wait like a, maybe a little over a month for this next season to come out. Uh, it's supposed to come out sometime, I think, this month, um, the the second season. So I cannot wait. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah, I know. It's like you know. I'm a big fan of like Walking Dead and you know a lot of a lot of those TV shows and it, it, you kind of almost get sad when it's the season finale because you're like oh man I gotta wait another three four months before I see anything else not for the Ninja Turtles <laughs> so <laughs> so it's kind of nice yeah they're they're bringing it straight away and uh, you know I really like what they did uh, with this series they they're bringing the turtles back for a new generation mm-hmm. and I think they did a good job of. Introducing them as new characters, uh, you know, for younger kids that don't already know about the Ninja Turtles, and also uh, bringing old fans back because, you know, at first I saw it was Nickelodeon, I saw it was CGI, and I thought, eh, mm, this might be kind of corny. I don't know. Like I yeah. said, I'm always kind of skeptical about new shows, but uh, after the first time I watched it, you were talking about the Buika Showdown. I was like, ah, eh, you know, I should probably check this out, and I watched the the first season or the first episode, and I was completely blown away. You yeah. know, I like. It's a sleek, new, fresh image. I really like the song. Uh, I actually downloaded the the song on my on my phone and I was oh, nice. on the way to work. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it was cool. It was. I think it's the first uh, Turtles rap song that didn't sound uh, kind of corny. Seriously, but yeah. I do love it. On the half show, they're the heroes for. <laughs> <laughs> Who could ask for more? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. You know, I was very skeptical. I did not expect a whole lot from this. I was like, I was very excited. You know, to the point where it's like, you know, anytime the turtles are back, I'm excited. But I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's gonna be Nickelodeon. I like Nickelodeon, but you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm pushing 30 now. I just, I don't, I don't want it to be too kiddie. And uh, I was wrong. I was so wrong. You know, when I, when I watched the show and everything, um, I'm just going to lay this out there right now. I think, for me personally, I think this is the most exciting, like, kind of renaissance the Turtles have, have, uh, have had uh, since their heyday in the 80s. I mean, yeah. I, I feel that way because, um, you know, when the 2003 show came out, 
it's a great show, but it seemed like the comics during that time weren't, I don't know, maybe, maybe weren't standing out as much, or, I just don't know, it didn't seem like the 2003 show seemed as popular as this, this current Nickelodeon show is. And not only is the Nickelodeon show really good, the comics that are out right now are really, really good. So, uh, the toy line's good, they've got the retro action figures out on Toys R Us, I mean, it's like, it's like a resurgence that I, I have not seen since the Turtles were extremely popular in the, in the late 80s and early 90s. You know, you're absolutely right. It, it kind of seems like the, uh, the 2007 movie came out, the yeah. CGI movie. It was awesome. It yes. was great. But after that, it kind of died off. And right. what, what happened was, uh, um, and this is thanks to uh, Turtlepedia, uh, they've great website, lots of information. Yes. Uh, and I saw on there, um, after Vi Viacom purchased the rights to the Ninja Turtles uh, franchise in October 2009, uh, and then a press release was issued unveiling that the Nickelodeon that Nickelodeon would be developing a new CGI animated television series slated to air in 2012. Uh, though the franchise was bought out from Mirage Studios, the company is still able to produce up to 18 uh, 48-page black and white TMNT comics a year. So um, this kind of sets the stage, you know, because it's almost like a, a quiet period after 2007. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the turtles kind of fell off the, the shelves again. The right. 2007 movie was great. I loved it, but it didn't bring about a resurgence like this franchise did. So, you know, uh, Viacom realized, you know, the Turtles, there's a lot of retro stuff going on right now. There's comic books, um, you know, a lot of older shows that are being brought back. And they saw the Turtles. They saw that it was a viable property, uh, you know, a viable franchise. They bought it and they invested in it. And I've got to say, without this, 20, uh, this 2012 cartoon coming back out, like you're saying, I don't think we would be seeing the resurgence that we are now. Because if you walk into Walmart now... You've got turtles all over the place. There's, there's. Ha I bought a hat. I bought a shirt. They've got the yes. entire section in the toy aisle. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you go in the school supply section, there's folders and stuff. I mean, like you're saying, it's like back in the '80s, and we've not really seen this in a long time. And, I know, uh, I know. I've got to credit this TV series for that. I, I, I do too. You know, it. it I, I, I think, that just looking, looking at it this way. Okay, I guess I didn't realize the turtles were really taking off again until. Just about every time I go to Walmart, the turtle section was always cleared out. All the toys were gone. You know, they were all bought. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, people are really buying these figures up. And uh, and then finally, that's when I, because I had actually seen the figures first. Um, then finally, I watched the show, and I was like, wow, I get it. This is awesome. And then finally, I, I read the IDW comics, and now they've got the Adventure series. Now they're doing the retro toys. This is just a, such an exciting time, and and you know. That's not the reason you and I decided to do this podcast. We just wanted to do a podcast on Ninja Turtles. It wasn't because there's this huge resurgence and it's like, okay, the turtles are popular now. We're going to talk about them. We just wanted to talk about Ninja Turtles, and we just happened to pick a, an awesome time to do it. Yeah, and it's really neat because, it, you know, if you guys, uh, if this is your first episode listening, go ahead and go back and listen to episode one because we're right there with you. Like, uh, I'm just getting into the comics. Mm -hmm. We're we're just now watching this 2012 series. We haven't watched a whole lot of the, the 2003 series. So, you know, Rob and I, we were both big diehard fans of the old school stuff. Mm -hmm. We're going through the new school stuff together, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It really you know, is. It's an exciting time. We've got uh, the new movies being produced. 
We've got the new video game that just came out, the TV. There's currently three comic book series that I know of. We got the villain series, oh, the yeah. series, animated series. I mean, it's booming right now. And there's another video game that's going to be coming out as well uh, for uh, I think the Wii and the 3DS. So. Yeah, it's it's an excellent time to be a Turtles fan. Yeah, and, uh, I've I've got to credit, you know, this is one of the few times where someone comes in and they buy the the property, uh, the franchise, and they completely blow it out of the water with with everything from right. you know toy line to animated series. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really hoping Disney's going to do the same thing. If you know what I mean. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well. I'm sad the uh, the Clone Wars. It sounds like they killed the uh, they killed the animated series, which we've talked about before. The Clone Wars animated series CGI, uh-huh. excellent. Uh, and again, that was one that I was skeptical of. It's new with CGI. It was great. And yes, the it was, was the fun. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Definitely. And I thought it was interesting in this series that uh, Jason Biggs voices Leonardo, uh, mm-hmm. Rob Paulson who did Raphael, uh, now does Donatello, which I thought was funny because, to me, it was almost like an inside joke throwback to how they would mess up the voices in the 87 series, you know? <laughs> yep, yep. I was like, oh, they did it in this first episode. I was like, oh, no, they did it for the whole series. Um, and then uh, Sean Astin plays uh, Raphael, and uh, Greg Sipes does uh, Michelangelo. So, I mean, really, it's considering that it's this, this is an animated series it's really an all-star cast i know i know and and you know what talking about rob paulson um as donatello i think that works so well like it I, does. I i think at first i was like what you know he you know because i always equate you know rob paulson Raphael. i mean you know that's just him but then the more i thought about it uh especially after watching like the 2003 series and listening to Raphael's voice there you know the, the gruff Raphael voice that's him i mean that that's raf uh, I think Donatello's, you know, or uh, uh, Rob Paulson's voice, you know, obviously it just wasn't a gruff voice. I mean, it's a very distinct voice, but it just doesn't sound like it should be Raphael. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I, I know what you're saying. I think um, because the 87 series was so lighthearted and kid-friendly, they yeah. didn't go with gruff. And what you ended up with was more sarcastic right. type of voice. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, so, I mean, that kind of worked for Raphael for what it was, but right. I agree. I, I like him better doing a, a Donatello voice. I agree, and I never thought I'd say that, but I, I totally agree. The more I've watched the show, the more I prefer him, actually, as Donatello. I think it works. And uh, I've got to say, and this may be uh, uh, against the grain, I guess, mm-hmm. but for me, I like this TV series the best out of all of them so far. Oh, wow. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I do love the 87 series. And right. I... I it's, it's to me it's kind of apples and oranges between that and this right but uh if if i've got half an hour before i gotta go to bed and i gotta pick one turtle series to watch it's gonna be this one because uh it's new and exciting to me you know wow interesting wow you beat me to it man i, I was gonna ask you at the end uh you know now that we've watched one of each uh you know type um you know the first episode we did was the original second episode we did was 2003 and then this episode the new one I was going to ask you at the very end what you thought, but wow, you know, I, I'm really surprised. I thought you would have picked the original. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I, maybe part of it is because, you know, the other ones I feel like I already know what has happened, and I've seen them so many times, and uh, for me, this one just, it draws me in. It's new and it's exciting, and uh, I think they just did a great job. There's uh, a new story to be told, and I think they, they make it exciting. Awesome, awesome. Well, all right, I guess we should get into it then, my man. I guess we should. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about how awesome it is. <laughs> so uh, this uh, episode is entitled Rise of the Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
Um, my first impressions was uh, it's similar to the 2003 animation style. Uh, we've it got is. an urban cityscape. Uh, there's, um, you know, I love the new the new song. Like I had said, uh, it's rap, it's upbeat, and uh, you know they kind of transition the series into the CGI characters very well by doing that. Um, hey, you know what, Josh? What? You know what we should do? Uh, next time we go through a, a new Nickelodeon episode, uh, you recite one half of the rap, and then I recite the other half. I'm down for that. All right, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I always love uh, doing rap on uh, podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a leader in blue. Baby. Yeah. He's got to his ninja through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got this. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the episode, episode starts with the turtles sparring. And uh, I like that it does a close-up on each one of the turtles' faces. Yes. And uh, Raph and Leo are, are talking. Um, oh, s- speaking of Raph, uh, w- those cutscenes with the size, when he's like flipping people over with the size, awesome. That was awesome. And yes. That, I think that's kind of a, a prime example of why I like this series so much. You know, you would not see that in either one of the other series. You know, they're taking it in a new direction, and the CGI allows them to do things that they couldn't do before. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's awesome. Like, and it's in slow motion as he kind of hooks that sigh around. Like, uh, I think it's does he flip Leonardo with the sigh? Yeah, he does. Yes, so he actually defeats Leonardo in the uh, in this uh, sparring session. I love that. Love that. You know, Raphael, besides Splinter, is probably the best fighter in the in the franchise. So. Uh, you know, except for maybe Shredder, but, uh, but yeah, good good stuff. Yeah, I think I, I was nervous when, you know, whenever you hear that, something CGI, I'm always nervous that they're going to use that as, a, that as a crutch, you know, to carry you through so that they can be lazy with the story and lazy with, with the animation, but uh, right. that's definitely not the case here. No, I agree. So um, so Leonardo bats away Raph's sigh, and then you just see two big yellow X's, and then uh, Raph flips Leonardo over and defeats him. And uh, so uh, Splinter enters, and uh, oh, actually, I've noted here that he is a green staff. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Uh, hang on, let me look at that figure again. Green staff. Yep, he does have a green staff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it matches. We're good. S- sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Quality control pass. That's right. Um, so uh, uh, Splinter enters. Excuse me. Splinter enters, and he says, uh, "You all done. You have all done well." And uh, and Raphael goes, "But I did better." <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Splinter walks over to Raphael, and hey, he does uh, almost like a, a Vulcan nerve pinch or something. And <laughs> Raph starts wigging out because uh, this pressure point. And then Ralph, Raph goes, uh, but we all did really well, and that's what really matters. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually it reminds me more of Darth Vader doing the grip, you know. Oh, yeah, force like, joke. <laughs> yeah, it's, you better behave. <laughs> and, um, and then it transitions into the, uh, into the theme song which I said I love, and, and two things that I love in particular about it are uh, the pinball machine with Raphael yes. and comic books. I was like, that's me, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I forget what the, I, I always try to find out what the pinball machine said, but there's also like an arcade machine in there, and it said, um, I had it written down, you can only see like half of the title, but it's um, Robo X, that's what it was, Robo X. So. Oh, I wonder if that's a homage to Robotron 2084. Oh, I bet you it is. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> that's cool. I didn't notice that he had a hard cake cabinet in there. I'm going to have to watch it again, but that's probably um, what they're referencing in the in the video game. No, absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, so. Oh, by the way, what, what, speaking of Raph and, and the pinball machine, and uh, he's got his like little pet turtle. What is his, What is the pet turtle's name? Spike. Spike! <laughs> 
That's so awesome. That's awesome. It's funny. I actually have uh, three baby Kegels map turtles. Oh, nice. Yes, I'm looking to get a fourth. Uh, and yes, they're named after the turtles. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. On them, the, the backs of their shells actually uh, are pretty pointed, and it's kind of spiky. Huh. And it, that's kind of what it made me think of when he saw that he named him Spike. Plus, <laughs> I mean, if you're Raphael, you've got to name your your pet something tough. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Although, I, I love that. although his conversation with Spike a little bit later on, you know, kind of shows that Raph might have a little bit of a soft side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So, uh, it after the the theme song, uh, it transitions to uh, Michelangelo, and he's prepared. Uh, Michelangelo is always the one cooking. You notice that? Yeah, I don't know if I'd trust him in the kitchen. I don't think so either. <laughs> So uh, Rob, uh, Michelangelo has cooked up uh, some algae and worms for everybody, uh, and they all seem pretty uh, unimpressed with the uh, with the entrees. And then he ends up pulling out. Uh, well, I hope you guys save room for cake. And he pulls out a cake, and uh, it's made of algae and worms. And, uh, uh, I think it's Raphael goes out. What is the frosting made from? And uh, Michelangelo goes, uh, You don't want to know. <laughs> and then uh, so they they're celebrating their mutation day. So. Michelangelo asks uh, Splinter to tell the story again, uh, and Raphael's like, oh, it's the only way we're going to get him to shut up, so all right, go ahead and tell the story. So uh, Splinter tell starts telling the origin story, uh, and he says 15 years ago uh, today. So I think that's consistent with the, uh, the 19 1990 movie? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so Splinter says, uh, you, you want to... Um, I don't want to keep rambling on. If you get, did you have anything you want to throw in? Oh, no, no, no. But, like, one thing I like is, you know, when Splitter's telling the origin story, um, as, speaking of, you know, 15 years ago and it kind of paying, like, a little tribute to the 1990 film, uh, another thing uh, in that that made me think of the 1990 film is when Splitter's talking about the turtle, the baby turtles, Mikey goes, that was us! <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. <laughs> just reminded me of the movie. I'll, I'll never forget Michael Lange just saying, that was us! <laughs> yeah, and they all kind of... Uh face palm yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like no really <laughs> <laughs> so um uh splinter says uh many years ago while i was still human years ago i was living years ago i was leaving a pet shop before turtles a strange man passed me and something was off about him so i followed him i decided oh so i decided to follow him and then uh there's it shows two strange looking men with kind of um, uh, sort of a stoic expression on their face They're just not um, they, they look almost like robots sort right. of. and they uh, they say you will go no further in this place which is a place which you are not allowed to be which is this place or something ridiculous uh, so you can tell there's something not quite right about these guys and uh, so Splinter ends up fighting with these, uh, these strange looking men in suits and uh they end up as during the struggle. They end up dropping a canister, um, and then you know the, he dro ends up dropping the turtles, and they end up getting uh, in the, the mutagen, and they uh, they end up getting transformed. And uh, Splinter pulls out the canister as he's telling the story, and uh, Michelangelo grabs the canister and holds it and goes, "Mom." <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Well, that is good. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then it says now that we so. Uh, so, sorry. And then Leonardo interrupts the story and he goes, well, now that we're 15 years old, uh, we're old enough to go above. And Splinter goes, yes. But no. And, uh, <laughs> and then Donatello goes, I hate it when he does that. <laughs> and, then, and then I think he's stroking his really long goatee, which is awesome. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, 
you know, they, they have this conversation about, well, uh, you know, we're not perfect yet, but you have to make mistakes so that you can learn. So uh, they're trying to convince Splinter, and they do eventually uh, convince him that uh, he should let them go. Right. So. But I think I think right before they go, doesn't Leonardo watch that that funny uh, show? Oh gosh, what was it? Um, uh, Space Heroes. Space Heroes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a total ripoff of uh, the animated Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. You know, I'm a Star oh. Trek fan as well as Star Wars. So. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um. So and and Raphael's reading his comic, which again I thought was so cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So then the uh, the turtles end up gearing up to leave. And uh, I really like the way that they showed uh, Mikey's nunchucks. They look really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, I also like uh, right before they go up, Splinter. He's like a you know a worried dad. You know, he goes, you know, he's he's giving them all this advice. You know, he's like, uh, look both ways when you cross the street. The rest, yeah. ro- the restrooms, they're filthy. Be careful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Before you leave, the restrooms up there are filthy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, it's interesting. Splinter is a lot taller than the turtles too. Yeah, he yeah. is, isn't he? Yeah. Was was that the same in the original series? I, th- I I always thought he was shorter in the original series. I think he was shorter in the original series, but I guess that goes again to him being younger. He's not all hunched over yet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, but even for a younger rat, though, he still got that cane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I wonder what that's all about. It is kind of interesting. Yeah, I just can't, you know, probably has a bum leg or something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they end up uh, going off. They end up going topside, uh, presumably for the first time ever, and they end up going up in this kind of gross alley with <laughs> trash and, and graffiti and everything. Yep. And uh, it, to me, it again it beckons back to a trash strewn alley, just like the original comic. Yep. And uh, it's funny they're all looking around with huge eyes. And yeah. goes, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they end up walking down the street, and immediately Donnie is glued to the window of the computer store. And he goes, oh, look at all the computers. And, and uh, he, he's like, oh, is, is that the newest computer with the cadmium processor? And he goes, it is. And he's all excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, I got to ask you. I, okay. Um, Michelangelo, very different from the Michelangelo's we're used to, you know, with the uh, 87 series, the, the movies, the 2003 series. What do you think of this new Michelangelo? I really like the new Michelangelo. I think the basis for his humor in this series is more about the reaction of everybody else, more so than just being kind of uh, slapstick or right. court. And I think it works much better. I find myself actually laughing out loud more watching this series than I do the 87 series. I agree with you. I, I really like the new Michelangelo. I, I think I like his voice, too. It's kind of like a almost like a kiddie voice. But uh, I, the, the, I guess... At first, I wasn't sure how I felt about him because he seems even more dumbed down than uh, than he did in like a lot of the other versions of the turtles. <laughs> but but I yeah. I think the fact that he is dumbed down a little bit that even makes him a little bit funnier. <laughs> yeah, know? it seems like he's kind of the the goofy kid brother. Right, know? right. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, especially like when they're talking about him and he goes, "I'm right here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. Yeah, I love his character. I think it's. It's just more genuinely funny, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's it's really entertaining. And, you know, I think um, they don't make him a complete goofball. You know, he's still good in a fight, so it's, it's cool. Right, right. He's not, like, useless, yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, sometimes he kind of, uh, you know, sticks his foot in it a lot uh, and uh, gets him in trouble. But, you know, he can still hold up in a fight pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So um, they end up their topside, and they're checking, checking things out. And uh, 
it's uh, they, and a pizza delivery guy comes up on the corner on a scooter. And it's a scooter, and it took me straight back to uh, Kino. Kino, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except this guy can't fight, I don't think. Yeah, no, probably not. Yeah. And I don't think he was trying to get uh, chicks to uh, ride on his scooter with him. Like, yeah, Kino. that's true. That is true. <laughs> but this scene with the pizza boy is probably one of the most monumental scenes in Ninja Turtle history. It is. I don't think this has ever been portrayed before. At least not that I can think of. I don't either, yeah. This is the first pizza. <laughs> the first one. So the uh, the pizza delivery guy stops, and they're all just this awkward pause. And then Raph makes a scary face and scares him away. <laughs> and then they take the pizza and they go up to a rooftop, and they're just kind of staring at it like like it's a weird animal or something. And they don't know what to do. Yeah. And uh, they're like, oh, it might be dangerous. I don't know. So they open it up, and you know the steam rises off the delicious pizza, and and Mikey goes, all right, I'll try it. And then it goes into slow motion, and, and Mikey <laughs> eats it, and then it just shows a. a a little brain, and it's like, poof, yeah, mind blows up. <laughs> and, then, and then he tries to cover it, and he's like, oh, no, it's not very good. I don't think you guys should try it. Yeah, he's like, know, I'll like, eat oh. the rest for you. <laughs> they're like, oh, take off. I'm taking some. <laughs> uh, that was great. Yeah, that was that was an epic scene, the very first pizza. I thought that was cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree, because, like, I'm, I'm trying to think. In the 87 series, they just start, remember, they went to Ninja Pizza, and they were just eating pizza. You know? Yeah, she's like, you guys eat pizza? I was like, doesn't everybody? Yeah, yeah. And then they, <laughs> you know, they just went on and did it. And then the same thing in the film. Uh, this is, the, yeah, you're right. This is definitely the first time they've ever done that. So that was really cool. I didn't catch uh, the brand of the pizza, did you? Uh, I did not. No. I don't know I... if they had one. I think it was just pepperoni, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they didn't try anything crazy yet. Man, I'm still hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> so, um, the uh, I like it. The so it transitions. No, they've eaten their pizza and they're just they're checking out the city. So they're running on the rooftops. Like again, as a uh, paying homage back to the uh, the first comic, I think. Mm -hmm. I really like the animation that they do of them running. I don't know why. Me too. It's kind of like their hands are kind of almost like behind their back. Yeah, uh, they throw their head forward. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like the Roadrunner or something. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm expecting Wile E. Coyote to pop out with some Acme TNT. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's not that bad, but I, I don't know. It's just, it works. That animation works. It's, it's, it's a ninja running. I don't know how they did it, but it really, it works really well. I agree. Um, so they're running on the rooftops and then Donatello squats April O'Neil and um, he goes, oh, um, you, you see some guys that are, uh, that are trying to, uh, to stop her and it looks like they're trying to abduct her. And uh, Donatello goes, oh, she's the most beautiful, beautiful girl I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, and which is like a crazy dynamic, because I don't think, you know, like, of course, I guess it's nothing new. I guess it kind of felt new to me when I first watched it, but then the more I got to thinking, you know, the Turtles, I think they all had a crush on April, didn't they? Like in the original 87 series, they didn't probably pursue it as much as they did in the film. You know, in the film, they're like, I'm in love. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Michelangelo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but in this one, you know, it's, it just seems a little bit more uh, in in the open and stuff. Uh, you know, Donnie is crazy about her, which you know you, it, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that none of the other turtles are really like you know, have a crush on any humans. But Donatello, boy, he does. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I agree. And as a matter of fact, I asked my wife. I, we were when I was watching this episode, uh, my wife was uh, at the house and I was taking notes and stuff. And I was, and I was just because I never really knew. You know, because my, my wife, you know, she'll watch it with me. She's cool. Uh, but she's not, a, you know, a nerd like I am. And I asked her, I said, do you have a favorite Ninja Turtle? I said, if, if you could pick one, who's your turtle? Uh, and she goes, Donatello. I said, why? And she's like, eh, he, he'd, uh, he'd treat a woman right. 
<laughs> so I said, well, good point. And and she also said, you he's know, he's Don Juan. Very, he's Don Juan. <laughs> the women cannot resist him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she just said, uh, you know, he's smart. He can invent things. He's a very valuable asset to the team. Uh, and he would treat a woman with respect. And I said, that is an amazing answer. And then I hugged her and I said I was proud of her. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so... Uh, April's being abducted, and you know, uh, Donatello gets uh, googly eyes for her, and I says, mm -hmm. "The most, she's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen." And uh, Raphael, I think, says, well, "She's the only girl you've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, that doesn't matter." But uh, so they're getting abducted, and uh, you know, Donatello decides that they need to intervene, and Leonardo's trying to say, "Well, you know, we're supposed to stay away from people in bathrooms," and <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, you know, they just decide she needs their help and they're going to go. And uh, Leonardo ends up, you know, kind of getting left behind for a second as the other turtles dive into action and eventually uh, ends up joining them. Uh, but, let's see. Yeah, is that where they run into the Krang? Yeah, yeah, they run into the, the Krang. Yeah, yeah. But at first, the weird thing is they just kind of look like these, like you said, like very stoic business businessmen. They got like these uh, these suits on and everything, no expression in their face whatsoever. But they're like, they almost walk like zombies. Uh, you know, they just kind of just have no expression or intonation at all. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the, I think, do they actually fight them at this point? Yeah, they do end yes. up fighting them because they're trying to stop uh, April from getting abducted. And they end up losing the battle. Uh, <laughs> April gets taken. And uh, I think Michelangelo ends up kind of getting separated from the group, and he's in—he's uh, sort of in the corner. Hold on, wait a second. I might be skipping ahead. Let me see. I know he gets cornered and he slices one of them and finds out it's a robot. I'm trying to figure out if that's in the yeah, scene. yeah. I think it is. I think it is because that's where the brain attacks him. Okay, yeah. So Michelangelo gets separated from the group, and uh, he's getting backed into a corner. And uh, it's actually, let me back up a second. The turtles end up losing the battle, and they're kind of outmatched. And in one of the scenes, you know, Raphael tries to do the, the flip move that he did on Leonardo earlier. Uh -huh. He takes two sides and kind of wraps them around your arm and goes to throw him. But he tries to throw him, and he's just so heavy that he can't throw him. Right. <laughs> and they end up losing the battle, presumably because they're robots made of metal, I think. Right. Um, so, you know, Michelangelo gets separated from the group, and he's kind of backed into a corner. And he, he's like, you know, don't come any closer. And he ends up whipping out the blade, like we saw in the comic, <laughs> out of his uh, nunchuck and slashes him in the face. Mm -hmm. And then that's when it's revealed that it's actually a robot, not a person. Right. And uh, it falls over, and then the, the Krang brain ends up crawling out of the stomach and going onto his, jumping onto his face, like uh, from Alien. Yeah. You know, the face huggers. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that was good. And another thing I noticed, um, at least in this first episode, it is really hard for them to beat the Krang. Like, you know, they're, they're beating the heck out of them with their, with their weapons and everything, and they're like, their heads, are, you know, when, when, they, when they strike their heads or something, their heads barely move. If, if, you know, they might not move at all. You know, but then later on in the series, in this series, they're a lot easier for the turtles to whoop up on. So there's a little bit of an inconsistency there, but, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a very picky inconsistency, so... <laughs> so... It not kind a big of seems deal. to be the case throughout the turtles. Like you know, the very first turtles episode of the '87 series, they right. have lasers and yeah, yeah. It's it's a yeah, it's a more um, it's a more substantial confrontation. You know, yeah, seem, seem a bit stronger, but yeah. Yeah, I, I guess you know the you know the first uh, introduction of them. You know, you, you want them to be kind of a pretty 
big foe. You know, you don't want them to be a joke right away. You can make them a joke a little bit later on when you have other villains you can put in the scene. So I guess that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Michelangelo slashes him uh, and it jumps on his face and then it ends up running away. He gets back to the other turtles and tries to tell him what happened. And uh, he's like, there was a man. Okay. And he had a brain. He's like, we all have brains. And then I think uh, Donatello says, well, not all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he's trying to, to tell him what happened and takes him around the corner and uh, the crank is gone. So uh, they're like, all right, well, let's go back to the, uh, let's go back to the turtle layer. So they go back down and they're, they're talking to Splinter and explaining what happened. And uh, actually I left out a big part. Another reason why they lost the fight, not only that were they too, too strong, too heavy to throw, but the turtles kept on bumping into each other. Ah, fight. true. Yes. Yeah, they they were like, uh, you know, Michelangelo's nunchucks was hitting Raphael's size, stuff like that. They're bumping into each other. They just they didn't have any chemistry. Their fighting style was not orchestrated very well, and they ended up bumping into each other. So that contributed to the defeat as well. So, they yeah, get back. yeah. Leo he even says something like, "I didn't know you were gonna be you were gonna land where I was stabbing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says something like that. I thought that was a funny line. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they when they go back to the to the lair, they end up you know telling. Uh, Splinter, how they were defeated, and Michelangelo is trying to tell him about the Krang, but they're they're treating him like he's a whack job, telling him <laughs> to be quiet. It was kind of funny, but then, uh, so yeah, they're they're blaming each other. So I think it starts with Leonardo, and like you're saying, he's like, I didn't know you were gonna land where I'm stabbing, and then the, <laughs> the next one, I didn't know you were gonna do this, and blah blah blah, and then they get down to Michelangelo, you know, the youngest. He's at the end getting picked on, and he goes, Well, it's not my fault that somebody sent us out before we were ready. <laughs> And then it gets really quiet, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, Sensei, I didn't mean to. And he goes, no, you're right. Uh, I taught you to fight as individuals, but not as a team. So uh, then he, he goes, well, if we're going to be successful as fighting as a team, you're going to need a leader. I'm going to have to meditate on this. Oh, I love this. And he closes he closes uh, the shade for about half of a second. <laughs> and then he opens it back up and he goes, it's Leonardo. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that. <laughs> I think that was my favorite scene of the of the entire cartoon. Right, it's right. <laughs> and it was it, it's like um, like the back of the action figure side. He's uh, sort of a more playful, uh, spirited person in in this series, which I thought was funny. Yeah, he he is. He he definitely is. Uh, and um, oh gosh, what is he? Oh yeah, yeah. Is this right around the time where he's looking at that photo uh, of of him and? Uh, uh, Tang Shen. Yeah, yeah, yes, you're right. So um, he's telling them they need to fight as a unit, and Donatello's like, you know, we need to train. Uh, maybe next year you can go back up. And Donatello's like, next year? We don't have a year. That, that I saw that girl, the look in her eyes. She needed me to rescue her. She needed my help. And then, like you're saying, uh, Splinter looks at the picture and, and realizes, you know, this is the same type of situation. Right. Tang Shen, and they do need to help. So um, I like that. I, I like yeah. that right away you kind of think, you know, there, there's some pain in, in Splinter. You know, he looks at that picture, he's like, oh, man, you know, I, I understand, you know, what, it, what it's like to lose somebody, you know, and, and I don't want the turtles to do the same thing, you know. So I like that. I really do. And I noticed the, the baby there. Because I, I, in the movie, it doesn't mention anything about um, uh, Hamato Yoshi having a child, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. So that that was a nice dynamic. Uh, I I don't know if that's in the excuse me in the comic books or not, but uh, I never really knew it until, truthfully, the Buyuka Showdown. So. Yeah, I I haven't seen it either in any of the comics that I've read so far. I haven't gotten terribly far because I'm 
doing three different series right now, but yeah, yeah, I, that's not something that I'm familiar with. So, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, after seeing Booyaka Showdown, I was wondering about that, and I don't remember seeing it in this episode, so I'm going to have to watch it again to see that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, because I, I didn't either. I, I always just thought it was going to be Tang Shin, you know, he's looking at a picture at. But no, sure enough, they're, they're, they're both holding holding a baby together. Uh, and that, I guess, well, I don't want to say too much. Okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Splinter ends up recognizing that Donatello's right, that they need they do need to go out, and he permits them to, to leave again. So it's back to the surface, chasing the, doing a rooftop chase, and they're trying to track down the van. And uh, it's pretty cool. They're, they're kind of spread out uh, somewhere on some side of the street. The other two, I think, are on the other side of the street. And they're all just chasing. And Leonardo, um, like a sniper, takes a shuriken and just throws it and aces one of the tires. Nice. <laughs> and I think he hits, uh, I think it's the back left tire. It's one of the rear tires. And it causes the van to kind of hop and turn on its side and completely crash. <laughs> so the the van gets overturned and the turtles approach and a uh, as they walk up to the van that's it's on its side and one of the doors is kind of slung open and uh, as they approach a strange canister rolls out and <laughs> a stops right at Michelangelo's feet and uh, Michelangelo looks at it and uh, he picks it up and says mom <laughs> <laughs> that makes a second time <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, and that's how the the episode ends. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I watch. I must have watched both at the same time, or, or you know, just one one shot. Uh, but yeah. Okay. I did not know that's where the episode ended. So awesome. So okay. Looking back, man. What do you think? I mean, this is a quite the departure from what we're used to. So what do you think? I think it was awesome. I liked it uh, from beginning to end. You know, at at the beginning, it starts with action with the turtles sparring, and I I thought it was a good introduction to the characters. You know, it shows. Uh, it sort of showed their fighting style, almost exactly like the 2003 series, where, you know, they're trying to extinguish the candle and they all have their different, their different methods of uh, attempting to succeed. Uh, I thought it was interesting in this one that Raphael is the one that succeeds instead of Leonardo. Yeah, yeah, good that point. Was a neat, that was a neat twist. Um, but, yeah, it's there's a lot of story there. I like uh, I like the abbreviated version of the origin story. Um yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a different take, though. It is, it is, it is different because, you know, Splinter is a human carrying the turtles. And again, in this explanation, it doesn't explain why. Why is he a ninja master? You know, it it doesn't really say. He's just some guy buying some some uh, some turtles from a pet shop. Right. So I thought that was interesting, but uh, I thought it was funny. The the story had me interested because it was different. You know. Uh, a little bit of different of an origin story, and uh, I thought it was entertaining. I found myself laughing a lot at Michelangelo, which was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so I mean, like, what what do you think sets like, um, what do you think sets this a bar above the other two series? Like, in, in your your opinion? Uh, for me, I think because it's a completely new story that I've never seen before. It's it's exciting. Uh, I like what they did with the CGI. I think it allows them to do things that they couldn't really do before yeah. in uh, in the animated series. You know, they can kind of freeze frame, slow motion. You know, some of the the facial expressions that they do, uh, just the detail that I think if they were hand drawing this stuff, it would take them too much time to actually draw out. Right. Uh, I think the CGI allows them to, like you're saying, they're cranking out episodes a lot faster. So it's kind of to me, it's uh, it's faster paced, and the action scenes are more intricate. Than they are in the other series. Yeah, they they, they certainly are. They, yeah, I agree. 
Because so, if you look at the '87 series, you know the fights. It's usually, you know, we use a dump truck to to dump something out of, or Donatello smacks something with his bow staff, and right. electricity flies. You know, it's not really a lot of hand to hand, hand ninja fighting as much as this one is. So I like that about the series. Yeah, good point. So I, I would you give this a ten out of ten? Absolutely, ten out of ten. Nice, nice. Wow, that that's uh that's interesting. You say that because um. You know, and I know I know how you feel about the 1987. You know, we love them. You know, I, I love the 2003 as well. I really do. I love both those series. Um, if if I was just, you know what? To be honest, if I was just going by just this episode, I'd say I probably still would go with possibly the 1987. But since I've seen other episodes of this series, this current series, I'm with you, man. I've got to go with this being my favorite out of the three. I think. The scene, or I think, like Michelangelo, for instance, I think they're genuinely funny parts, you know, about Michelangelo's character. Like, I've, I've caught myself laughing a few times. Even my wife, you know, who's just kind of half paying attention, she was on her laptop while I was watching the episode. She, she kind of laughed at a few parts and stuff. Um, which is kind of a contrast because, you know, the, the original Turtles cartoon, it's a little cheesy, but it, it's charming in its own way, you know? Um, yeah, it's kind of tongue tongue in cheek humor. Yeah, yeah. This is actually laugh out loud. This is you know? this is genuinely funny stuff. I I think so. That's one thing I think it's got really going for it that a lot of uh, the other uh, renditions don't have. Um, I love the action scenes like you mentioned. I love Splinter's character. He's a my favorite character in this whole series um, right now. Really like him, and I just like the fact that you don't see it so much in this episode, but later on. I like that they, they kind of, just like the original cartoon, they kind of have a variety of villains, a lot of different villains uh, that are very unique and, and cool to see. Like you've got Snakeweed, you've got Dog Pound, you've got Fishface, um, uh, I'm now drawing a blank, uh, Shredder, of course, you've got um, uh, just, I don't know, just a whole, the Rat King, he comes back. You've got a whole plethora of just classic villains. Some are new, some are old. It seems like it captures the fun from the 80s show, the, you know, the, the fun of that. But it also seems like it captures a little bit of the comic book spirit, especially like toward the end of the season. You know, because you feel like, wow, this is turning into something huge. This is a big deal. This could be the end of the world. This is, this is something major. This is not just a uh, wrap it all up in one episode cartoon. You know, I think it's a very well-rounded, incredibly promising show, and I think the voice acting was perfect. I, I really do. You know, in the 2003 show, I thought it was it was really good. The voice acting, uh, aside from maybe one or two characters, but this one, I can't. There's not one voice actor that I didn't like. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's especially Splinter. Like Splinter yeah. sells this series so well. I agree. Um, I mean, it's it's the best Splinter out of any movie, any comic book. I just love his character in this series. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is my favorite so far. I would give this a 10 out of 10 as well. Yeah, my wife was saying, um, I think she likes the 2003 series the best. Really? Wow. Is, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I could totally see where she's going with that, too, because I think the story in the 2003 series is a little bit more serious. Yes. And closer to the comic book. So that's it's got that going for it, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And and for the, for the listeners, and I, Josh, I know you feel the same exact way. We love all three very much. You know, it's not like there's like, oh, you know, well, we got to go through, through the 2003 series, uh, you know. No, I mean, like when I watched the first episode of the 2003 series, I got excited again. I'm like, wow, this is great. This is a whole new thing. And then when I was watching the 87 series, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm like a five-year-old again. This is awesome. 
So I think I, I love the fact that we're you know we're taking an episode from each era uh, because it feels fresh and it, it, each one has its own thing to offer to the table. I just I don't know. I I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You, know, you see, if you just had uh, a picture, so you have a picture of one of the characters from the '80s. Series. What happens? You smile. He remembers the good times. It's fun. It's funny. Yeah. You see a 2003, you think, man, these guys are awesome. These guys are legit. They're dangerous ninjas. Right. And then for me, the 2012 series, you kind of get a little bit of both, and you're excited to see what's going to happen. You think this is new and this is fresh. What's going to happen next? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, uh, and and each one of those series have their own era of comic books. You know, the, the original comic books in the 80s. Um, the 2003 series, you had like Volume Three, Volume Four, the Image series, um, and and, uh, and then this one, you've got the IDW series. I mean, you've got so many great things going along with these series. So it's like, you know, it's nice to kind of travel to each era, you know, with these episodes. So I'm just just having a blast doing this, man. Me too. I, it's it's just awesome. Just like you're saying, the variety of stuff. Uh, I don't think uh, we'd ever run out of material. No. <laughs> I think we're going to be like 40 or 50 by the time we finally finish all the episodes of comic books. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll probably come out with new ones. Yeah, I know. Exactly. We'll have more to talk about. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. I guess that's that's it, right? Uh, I think so. I think so. Wow. So we are logging in at looks like around definitely two hours now. So, <laughs> so a nice uh, substantial episode. You know, we... We apologize if we did any rambling, but uh, or repeating ourselves. But really, this was a great week to review Ninja Turtle stuff. Uh, I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed uh, everything about this this week's episode: the the toy, the the comic books, um, both of them, uh, the the TV show. Um, just a great week, a great round of Ninja Turtle stuff. So, um, on behalf of Josh Atello and myself, we wish you all a good night. Because uh, we're recording at night, <laughs> we had to change <laughs> and, things up. Uh, here's uh, here's to hoping you guys enjoy your raspberry and coffee bean pizza. <laughs> oh wow, that raspberry and coffee bean—that's a good one. <laughs> uh, well, good night, everybody. Good night, Calabunga. Calabunga. Just a quick reminder, all you turtle fans out there, if you want to get your hands on some original TMNT Tops 1990 cards. All you have to do is comment on our Facebook page or send us an email with your comments on the show and then just send your mailing address to turtleflakespodcast at gmail.com and we'll send a pack of turtle cards your way. And as an added bonus, you will also be entered to win an original TMNT NES cartridge with a system to play it on. So thanks for listening, thanks for your feedback, and we'll catch you on the flip side.